What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Pete. And we're coming to you live from a couple places on the internet. We are live on Crowdcast. We're live on YouTube. Maybe we're live on Facebook. I honestly do not know. But maybe you're listening to us later on SoundCloud or Stitcher or other things that start with an S. I don't know. Honestly, you could be listening. Only S stuff, though. That's the only only place we are. Only S places. Come on. But wherever it is, first of all, thank you so much for checking us out this year. Thank you for listening. Thank you you for watching. We really appreciate it. It's our last show of the year. As a year, you get all emotional. I love it. A little misty-eyed, you know. Oh, man. But it is, I'm very excited about the show. We have a great guest that we're going to bring in in a moment. And later in the show, we are going to be revealing our best comic books of 2022. We're going to count down that list. It was actually a pretty easy, fair discussion this time, I think, which was nice. Well, right? well no, no. No. I mean, there was some contention, but a little less yelling than usual. But regardless, yeah, we'll, we'll it was still that. hard. It was hard. There were a lot of good comics. Oh, my God. So much great stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I'll tell you what, we are going to bring in our guest now. He is one of our absolute favorites yeah. here on the show. Um, so why don't we bring him onto the main stage here? He is Kyle Starks, everybody. Hello. Welcome. Hey, look, it's me. Hey, thanks for having me on. Guys. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what a treat. I, sh- uh, I should I, be wearing I, my I, hat right now. We'd be twins. I, know, we'd be... Mm-hmm. I don't know how long that list is for the best comics of 2022, but I know number one has to be I Hate This Place in Skybound mm-hmm. by Kyle Can, we, number can two... we blow up a spot? Can I, can I just jump ahead of things and blow up a spot a little bit, Pete? Is that all right? Sure, yeah, it's please. Ruining. But I will say I Hate This Place is on our list of best comics of the year. And in fact, not only that, I'll tell you because you're on right now, it is our audience favorite. It was one Whoa! of our favorite, yeah. also we pulled... Um, a bunch of people at our audience, people submitted lists and suggestions and things, and that was the top one. That was the one that like got suggested the most. So there that's, you go. That's very nice to hear. We we are getting a lot of love for Six Sidekicks and Trigger Heat and Chris and I this year. New York Public Library picked it as one of the 10 best books of 20. It actually came out in last year. The <laughs> trade came out in January, right? So nice. we're like a year Still behind counts. an actual pre- – Yeah, we're going like, to – but it's like I guess this is the new like paradigm – so it's crazy. We're getting all New York Public Library, Mary Sue, Polygon, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar this year said it was like one of the best books he's read all year. Yeah, like, Kareem. Yeah, we're like, we're like, that's a, that's amazing. So I was like, oh, I guess maybe I'll hear nice things about I hate this place in twenty in twenty twenty three. That'll be really exciting for me. That everything's just like a year later or two. You know years what we should later. do now that I think about it is we should do our best comics like five years late, and then it'll be a nice surprise for everybody. Be like, oh, I read oh, that yeah. five years I, ago. I, I don't care when I'm on the. I'd like for it to be on the list before it came out. That would be best for sales. <laughs> That'd be my optimal sales situation. That, well, that's really nice to you know. We kind of live in a vacuum in terms of like praise as creators. So it's nice to hear that people are reading the book and enjoying the book and hopefully buying it and not downloading it because uh, I have kids. <laughs> well, we love it. We reviewed every issue so far of I Hate This yeah. Place. I love that book. It's so much fun. We have you. I, I want to get back to it in a second. Yeah, but yeah, we have yeah, you yeah. on to actually talk about a different book that's not out yet from Dark Horse Comics called Where Monsters Lie. Just oh, to give, get a little of the business out of the way. Oh. The final order cutoff for it is January 9th. So if you like this book when you hear about it, and we're going to talk about it now, uh, definitely tell your comic book store let them know you want to order it it comes out in stores on february 1st um but i also we read the first two issues of this one i love this book as well this is so much fun i don't want to spoil too much 
So what fun's the right word? It's kind of scary, and you you kind of wonder, you know, like how dark the writer is and what they've got going on in your life. But it's intense, <laughs> and man, it grabs you, and you don't want to let go. It's 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 a it's a hell of a book, man. No, we like we love to hear that. I think some of the, <laughs> to be fair, some of the darker stuff I think might be Piotr, the artist. He's really good at doing messed up things. <laughs> um, but like, I definitely wrote it. I don't think he. <laughs> I don't think he really like. He didn't add a scene, right? But he did make them worse. Um, I think. I think there's mostly a trailer, but someone's eye gets popped out with a knitting. Yeah. Oh my god! Two. And the adorable old lady did that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you know, it's out of left field. Like it. Uh, it's well, unbelievable. Before we get too far, I just wanted to mention. I wanted to talk about the concept of the book. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. Yeah, here's right. the thing about this messed up scene. Is I I definitely wrote that, but once I saw it. And I was like, that's great. I regretted writing it a little, <laughs> a little bit. Wow. Yeah, give me the elevator pitch on my book. That sounds fun. Okay, cool. <laughs> so essentially, this is a not retirement community, but it's a community of serial killers. Some of them amalgams or analogous to killers that you might know from the movies. There's a little bit of Jigsaw. Maybe there's a Michael Myers. There's a creepy clown. Like a of course Pennywise there's a clown. There's, there's, a clown. Like there's gotta that. be a clown. That's and the creepiest of them all. Kills, they get taken back to this community. They are, this is the place they hang out sort of between the movies. Does that seem yeah. fair? Yeah. It's a gated community for slasher villains. It's where they go in between their killing sprees. It's a, it's a question I wondered, where do they go? Who who helps who helps them build their murder traps? Like, mm-hmm. are they? You can't get union workers for that. Um, <laughs> and you know, I I thought this was something. That re- one, I also like the. I, I I've come to realize, like, I love horror. Um, I've done comedy for most of my career, but I love horror for sort of the same reasons. They're very similar in just how the stories are told, but also like they emote feelings in a way that I find very exciting. But I became sort of aware, especially in promoting this book, that I, like part of my love for slasher villains is because I was sort of raised in superheroes. Like, I always had superhero comics as a kid, and I love a guy in a costume who's got, like, his bit, you know? And, they're out there, and it's good versus evil. So I think, like, oh, what's your bit? It's like, oh, I have a sky, and then I kill co-eds. Like, I'm into that. You're Captain America, you know? <laughs> Same deal. Uh, so I, I'm, like the idea of teaming up is just, I think, just something that, like, I'm drawn to. I think a lot of people are drawn to is what happens if all these characters, these sort of recognizable tropes, get together. And these are all things, like, what would happen, like, do they have to mow their own lawn? Do they have lawns? Do they just put, like, they don't just put them in room. How does, like, what does Chucky do, like, between, is he just sitting in an alley quietly for two years? No, he's getting cable somehow, right? <laughs> he's got to feed his human girlfriend. I just, like, I, what are, what is the answer to all these questions? Um, and so that was sort of the basis for the book, which is, like, this is an interesting setting, is where do these guys go? Sort of, like, do they have managers or, you know, who sort of, who sort of handles the domesticated day? Where do they get their shirts, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like that's just a setting right that's never that interesting to me to just like what it what an interesting place like that's not how i t- how i like to work it's very much you know what's the story and the story is like what if there's a survivor and the survivor has been training and preparing and hunting and looking for these people and suddenly it's come across it and so that's sort of the end of issue one is this survivor who's now a special agent sort of special agent monster hunter shows up to get his revenge yeah, it is. It, I really loved kind of like where it uh, ends in the first issue and then where it picks up in the second. We kind of really get the full story because sometimes 
uh, you know, you get little bits and pieces. They lead with like crazy ideas and then explain as they go. It's nice to kind of understand everything that's going on and then be kind of like thrown into this insane world. Uh, man, uh, the we talked about the art. It's just um, it's, it's really creepy in all the right ways, but also just like setting up a normal family before you know what you're looking at. It was such a, uh, a an interesting idea and kind of adds to that creepiness. And it's one of those things where the world is so crazy anyway, you wonder if there is stuff like this, you know? It's just off. Yeah, for sure. I, and you know, like that's also, it's something that I'm really interested in. It's something I sort of explored and I hate this place, which is that, you know, who, who are actually the bad guys? It's, it seems like there's there's so many to sort of to sort of weigh these things and for i hate this place it's like you know there's monsters and there's some sort of demonic entity and there's lights in the skies but kind of the worst thing is just this guy who's looking for money mm -hmm. just the human guy is the worst thing and i'm yeah. really interested in that and in this situation here are monsters here is the literal monsters but they're doing the things we do in many ways like they still have the same impulses they sort of want attention and uh they want to make sure they keep their neighborhood clean or what but at the same time, like, let's not forget that they're monsters. And it seems like maybe the special agent is the bad guy. And say, well, maybe he is. And I think that's a really interesting thing to sort of explore um, in a horror comic is like, where are the monsters? And are they that bad? But also, yes, they're definitely that bad. They're monsters. But I also love the part where it's just like, uh, you know, one monster yells at the other monster like, hey, come on, you, you can't have your trash uh, bins out like that. That's against the rules. Like, come on, like just hysterical, uh, you know, yeah, moment. I, I think, I mean, that's one of the things it's important. I think like the characters have to be likable, even if they're, you want to spend time with them or you want to hate them. It's one of the two, I think, for, <laughs> for almost any story. I don't think there's really an in-between. I think you always want to spend time with these characters and like them or dislike them immensely or possibly dislike them in a way that you really enjoy sort of doing. Well, I mean, on that note, I think something that really struck me about the book is not across the board, but a lot of these characters of their daily lives are kind of sad and pathetic uh, a little bit. Um, is that just sort of setting up the comedy of contrasts or is that how you feel? Oh, that's how Jason actually between he's just sort of lurking around and sighing and he's really into flowers and doing his. Gardening. Yeah. Yeah, I think. No, I, I mean, I think that's what they would. I think that's what they'd all be like. Mm -hmm. Um <laughs> I think they're all a little sad. They'd rather be killing. They'd rather, they don't want to be here, like <laughs> going to community meetings. You know, they want to. They want to be doing the murders. That's all they care about. They're slasher villains. This is a massive inconvenience to them. How did you decide on the rules? And what I mean by that is not. You know, some of them have overlap. Like I think there's a pretty easy fit between, say, a Jason type and a Michael Myers type. They're just killing people. But sure. when you're working supernatural into the mix, when you're working different types of genre killers into there, uh, what in your mind, was there anything off limits? Was there anything that didn't quite jibe, et cetera? No, I, not that I can recall. I mean, I mean, in terms of how they would interact, I, I think, and it's in the book, um, the, there's sort of a, a community manager, mm -hmm. and then she has sort of her right-hand man uh, who sort of clearly does sort of, you know, the custodial work or whatever. He does whatever needs to be done. He's picking up the mail. Um, but <laughs> she says the rules pretty pretty early, which are, you know, you can't kill here. Um, you can never draw attention to this place. And you can't kill another member. And I think because in sort of the kayfabe of this world, right, is that they need this. They need these services um, to sort of do the thing, the only thing they want to do, which is for most of them, murder. Um, 
killing, doing big old killing murder sprees like baddies do. So I think like like that sort of makes it in place. But you know, like I do add, I do add a, a clear future conflict because there's two, um, there's two of the same type of monster, and they don't. That's against the rules for a specific reason. Um, gosh, I bet that doesn't come back later in an issue. <laughs> um, also, though, me setting up like who I would love to see X fight X, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like that sort of set up in the first one. I hope people like me are like, oh, I really want to see X fight X too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that would be awesome, and I'd like to know who wins that fight. Um, so yeah, I think it was just like I, it, it's, it's one of those like again, I I want to be like they're theoretically for the most of them. Some of them, I mean, one of them is very much sort of a uh, a Jason Michael Myers, you know, a shape as they say uh, in the Carpenter script type. But I, those sort of mindless, you know, unbeatable juggernauts. But I think everyone else is like, well, you know, Jigsaw went home and probably had a favorite sitcom. He probably like. <laughs> He probably really liked Elmore Leonard novels or something. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> even though he's out there, like, I, like, here's the thing that I can't remember ever seeing like a like some some blueprints in the back of a Saw movie. Like, he's like, I got to figure out this face, this face tearing apart machine. I gotta, I gotta. Where are you getting the engine? Like the motors for that? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of. There's one where he has a ditch filled with syringes, and I'm like, where did he get the syringes? How did he dig the? <laughs> did he dig that ditch himself? He looks old. I don't think he could dig that ditch. <laughs> so I think like the thing is like, how do they get along? I think they have to get along. I think they have to get along. And I think they, re- the thing is like this place, a uh, Wilmhurst gated community. I think it's a place that's respected by all of them because like this helps them do what they have to do um, and what they must do. So they can do what they want. Yeah. Did you have, uh, you touched on this a little bit earlier, but did you have a formative horror movie? Something that you remember like, Oh, that's the first one where you sparked into. I like the genre. Uh, you know, I came into horror pretty late in terms of being a fan, like mm-hmm. to, to really, really being a fan. Um, in fact, the guy who writes the backups, uh, the essays for I Hate This Place, Benito Serrano, mm-hmm. um, started doing these yearly sort of like, these are the streaming movies you should check out lists. And so if he put hard recommend, I watched it and I was like, oh, I really like these. Um, and that was not too long ago. Like, I remember watching like the... I, I thought they were silly. I mean, I was, I was a little bit pretentious, if I'm going to be honest. Like, I kind of thought a lot of horror movies were silly. But as I've grown older, I, I just, I, I'm attracted to the same reason I'm attracted to anything else. It's like, I, I love, I mean, I love wrestling. I love, what, what is it? It's like, this has to be solved with violence. No matter what it is, no matter what the story is, no matter what the problem is, no matter what the solution is, it must be solved with violence. And, I, and that, as a, 80s action movies, my favorite, you know, it's like, oh, these yeah. are things, for whatever reason, things that are put into a box so, like, so tight, and like uh, wrestling, you know, it always has to happen in the ring, right? And horror is sort of, it always has to be a monster. Not always, but you get what I'm saying. I'm generalizing fast. I really like those because it, it makes it so it's sort of, there's a, a low base level that's always enjoyable. It's always enjoyable. I, you can watch a terrible B movie and be like, All right, well, <laughs> that bit that bit with the paper mache head exploding was pretty good. Like, even though it was clearly a paper mache, or they were trying so hard. Like, horror movies are always good. Um, and I think that's what I appreciate as as a as a big boy, as a grown up. <laughs> I, I know when I was little and I think it was a joke, but I think it, became, it was a joke that was not a joke. Like we watched Killer Clowns from Outer Space oh, every, every birthday oh, slumber party. And, you know, we were just me. at Spirit Halloween this year and they have like Killer Clowns costumes. I'm like, how is that? How is that possible? Um, but as a term, like, like, so like, I mean, I have a shutter. Like I'm watching everything now. Right. Like now I watch mm-hmm. everything. But it, it took a long time. So I don't know if I remember. The, I mean, I can tell you. I can tell you, and I can actually answer this question. I just realized, like, the scariest movie to me is still the, probably, I remember we went to, my, my parents took me to go visit, they went to their friend's house, 
and I, I think it was just dropping into, I don't know. But the dude had the fly. He had the fly oh, on TV. Wow. And I was little, man. And I was like watching it from like sort of the doorway of the next room. And like that movie, no. Kyle can't do body horror. Like that's a fact. And the fly is a brilliant movie. It's oh, so good. Man. I cannot watch that movie. It creeps me out so bad. Uh, I can't hang with body horror at in, on any. Uh, in fact, Benito, whenever a movie comes out, I'm like, hey, that looks pretty good. He's like body horror my dude you can't do it (laughs) i think i know the answer to this one and this is more broadly about your work but since you do come up with these comedic premises and obviously explore them comedically as well where do you feel like you're starting with when you're framing something out do you start with like here's the concept then here's the jokes i can do and then you find the emotional bent later or specifically like where does that emotional hook come in your process yeah this is this is tough for me to answer because I don't, I don't know. <laughs> don't talk about the fly. Don't talk about the fly. It creeps me out. <laughs> He's got the hairs. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, the brindle fly. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so I mean, for this, for this, like, note, for sure, I, I was watching. I, I think I was watching Fear Street two, and there's a bit where sort of three slashers sort of descend in a field at one point from different directions, and I thought that's great. I want to I want to figure that out. Like I, I want to play with this this team of idea. I love the idea that all the all monsters in the movies that you see are it's the same world somehow. Like that's a terrible, even worse than our world. That's a bad place, you know. <laughs> um, so it's always that first. It's always it's always, it, and this is one of the few ones. Like I hate this place, and where monsters lie, we're definitely like, what's the place first? Like, mm-hmm. what is the idea? Because to me, story is always first. But it is like, oh, I'm going to do an '80s action movie at Sex Castle. Oh, I want to do. Um, you know, I want to do Korean action movies. It's assassination. It's always sort of a genre I want to play in first, but like, I don't ever do jokes. It's always story. I, I'm always thinking like, what's, what are the beats of the story? What do I want to happen? How do I want people to react to those? And then the jokes, I just let it happen. Mm-hmm. And you know, for, I hate this place. Like I, I didn't, I, I, I thought I was writing just charming characters and people are like, Oh, it's hilarious. I'm like, Oh, okay. I didn't intend for it to be hilarious <laughs> at all. Like I know, like Dante Howitzer, like a very amusing character, but and like I think it's just and it's funny because when I did that when I did that book, like I was like I'm not going to do comedy. I'm I'm I may be done with comedy forever because my readership wasn't increasing because comedy is a dirty word in direct market comics. It simply is. People have been burned too many times by things that aren't funny. I'd say there's only a few of us that can consistently do it in a way that should appeal to a large group of people, which is like Chip, Mark Russell. Ryan Brown and me. And I, there, there are 100% other people who've made good comedy books. But I think, like, there's so many bad ones. Like, Marvel Marvel be like, check out our funny new book. And you're like, it's just weird gags. Like, it's yeah. just weird. It's like gags. It's like, what is this? And then so people don't want comedy. They don't seek it out. And it's like, I understand that. So I was like, I'm done with comedy. I'm going to write this horror book. Uh, Kirkman <laughs> even says, like, don't write it funny, which, I again, I didn't think I did. I, but I wanted it to be charming so badly. I think it just seeps in. And, um, I mean, that's my voice. So... I wasn't going to do comedy anymore, but then I was like, you know what? This was during the pandemic. And I was like, if my legacy, I had a book, I, Old Head, uh, which is a horror comedy. It's an outright horror comedy. I highly recommend it. Chris Schweitzer says it's my best book. He's probably right. It's, <laughs> it's up there. It's number three, I think. Maybe four. Um, and they were like, how many, how many copies do you want? The image, the image asked me, like, how many copies do you want to print? And I was like, that doesn't seem like a Kyle decision. That seems like like an an image decision. And they're like, well, based on based on everything we printed for you, we're going to do 4000 copies. And I thought this is before I hate this place. And I thought that's my legacy. 
there's maybe 4,000 people, maybe at best 4,000 people read my book and say, it's upsetting. So I'm like, I'm not gonna do comedy. I'm gonna switch it up. I'm gonna try something else. I don't, I want to write everything. I want to write romance. Um, Six Sidekicks is a mystery. Uh, I did another book. Assassination's kind of a mystery, right? Like I want to do all these genres. I want to play in everything. And, uh, but then I did it and I was like, you know, I really like, I want people to have fun when they read my books. Like I mm-hmm. want, and that doesn't mean they need to be funny. I like for this particular book, I was like, don't say it's funny. It is funny, but by issue four, it's not. I assure you it's not. <laughs> issue four is not funny. Um, issue three is, it gets considered less funny. And that's how I do everything. It's like, I want to bring people in with these sort of charming, likable characters. And so they're funny. That's the easiest way to make someone go, Oh, I like, I like spending time with these guys. Uh, they're kind of funny. They kill co-eds and teenagers. Um, so, so it's like where I start is always, is always, what's the story I want to tell? I wanted to do a team up. I wanted to do this group of slasher villains and say, well, how, how, what's the logistics of that? And then what is the story I want to tell? And the story I wanted to tell is twofold. It's one, it's about this weird family that are monsters, but they're, they're not, they're, they're still monsters. Right. I think that's the thing is like, they're bad and it seems like they should all be together, but they're not, they're monsters. But also this person who was traumatized, who lives in this world of slasher villains, which is uh, special agent Connor Hayes, I hope his name is, um, which, and, and like, you know, here's the thing with this character. It's like this character to me is it's Batman. If a slasher villain had killed Martha and, and Wayne or Martha and uh, Tom, um, whatever yeah. his name is, Tommy, Batman senior, Batman senior. And where he's trained his whole life to get, to eventually get, he's trained his body. He's trained his mind. He's put himself in a position of authority where he can sort of do as he pleases. And then when he finally finds these people, it's like, well, then he he's going to have a whole new challenge because if you if you wanted to stop monsters from killing people, like how far are you willing to go? Like at what point are you not crossing a line yourself? And will you even recognize that? And like these things are really interesting. Like that's the story that's interesting to me. Um, and that's a horror movie. I mean, after this first issue, it's like three issues of, of murder, violence, and mayhem. Um, that I hope are just a good fun time because that's like I said what I what I truly endeavor to do. Did I answer that? I feel like I answered it great. No, I think you did. I mean, not to <laughs> you really did, and not to spend too much time on this, but I think part of the problem is that people don't differentiate their comedy. Like you were mentioning about Marvel books with gags, people don't see the difference between gags and character based comedy, and I do think 100. that's what. I hate this place in particular. One of the things that I really like about it is you started in this very serious place, but you do draw us in with this couple who's living in this house. There's all this insane, like literally everything is going on there. Mm-hmm. And it becomes funny because they're, per the original title, they're like, fuck this place. Yes. We hate this place. This is terrible. This it is, is awful. Be- because it is awful. And that's where it comes out of because you already care about these people and their relationships. So you want them to survive. That's where the comedy comes from. That's different than joke, 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 but it still For can sure. be funny in a different way. Yeah, it's humorous. I, it's, I think every, it's all humorous, but I think all good things have have everything in them. Uh, yeah. And I'm really like, I, I asked Starker, like, don't call it a comedy because people won't buy it. But it's not a comedy to me. Like, it's a drama. It's a horror movie. It's a thriller. And yeah, it's humorous too because I can't help myself. It's just going to be a little bit funny. That's just how it's going to be. Like, well, one day I'll write something. I, I, I'm pitching something right now, which I'm like, it's not going to be funny at all. It's a, It's very serious. It's very dark. And like every time I say that, I'm like, yeah, but that one character, there might be one character that's kind of funny. And I'm like, Kyle, don't, don't like be cool. And like, that's like, for I hate this place. Like as I'm right, I'm used like, I don't really, like I said, I don't write my bits. I, I let them sort of happen. I let the characters decide the bits. And I tried it. If I'm doing comedy, I was like in this moment, like now it's time for me to do a joke. And I just like, make yourself laugh. 
And for, I hate this place. There's so many times I'm like, and now there's a, there's a ghost dick joke. And I'm like, nope, wrong book. This is a different book. And that's not going to be in here, Kyle. Now you got to put a scary ghost thing in. And I'm like, oh, scary ghost thing. But yeah, okay. like scary ghost so it's dick. Like, got it. What if, what if something funny happened right here? Wouldn't that be better? And it's like, the answer is probably yes, most of the time. And now I'm just leaning into it. But it's like, I don't, I just don't, I don't want to be, I'd be like, oh, he's, I just think it's a bad word in comics to be like, yeah. he's a comedy writer. And it's like, I am a comedy writer. I, I 100% am. But I'm also like, I think I do, I think I write top 10 action scenes in comics. Like, I'd go to bat to that because I think my choreography that I write is great. And, uh, like, but, you know, six sidekicks, the action scenes were oh, awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah, every I think, single I think Assassination, I think Eric Anderson, yeah. like, brings it to life. I think if you, like, it, Rock Candy Mountain, Old Head, I think my action scenes are top notch, and I drew those, which people have to suffer through that, I guess. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's like, I, I the thing is, like, I'm trying to, it's so easy to get labeled, you know, and it's like, I, I don't mind being mm-hmm. labeled. If my legacy is, wow, well, he made 4,000 people laugh once a once twice a year like that's pretty good i can live with that but yeah. i'd like i'd like for it to be oh uh, uh you know fifty thousand people read that and they mm-hmm. they maybe they didn't like it i don't know fifty thousand might be too much well let me, let i me, want more readers you know i want readers 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 let me help you out a little bit maybe uh with uh with uh where monsters lie horror movies work when they make people laugh like they are people laugh at the theater they laugh out loud 100 things are goofy there are jokes so really it's just a horror comic just the same way a horror movie yeah. is a horror movie and there is some comedy in there what 100 again i don't want i don't want to stand this sort of a little bit of everything but I, I was thinking like if someone's like hey what's your what's the funniest bit in a movie it's like oh comedy i'm like man i bet the things that made me laugh the hardest are like arnold schwarzenegger pun bits and like commando <laughs> and it's like that no one yeah, said that commando. movie but he he does it in so many movies, and every time it happens, like, there's a thing in sort of late 80s. Uh, Die Hard has several where it's like, oh, you're like yeah. that's pretty funny. The ki- the guy grabbing the, the the candy bar in Die Hard, like, come mm-hmm. on, dude, that's hilarious. Like, it's so funny. So I'll, I'll, contend, I'll contend that the best line in any movie that has ever been made is in Eraser when Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's having the fight scene in the zoo, and he shoots an alligator and looks at the alligator and says, your luggage. Yeah. <laughs> Great line. Brilliant. You you know he you know he's like I get to do these lines right and they're like well the script writer seems pretty good <laughs> he's like no no I get to do whatever I want so yeah, yeah no I think I, I think I think also yes it's very and that's so it, like is it horror is a natural transition just because it's the same setup it's the same bits and I love I love horror I love comedy I mean I love everything uh, I'm a I'm a consumer of media for sure so yeah I think the best things have a little bit of everything they have a little bit of everything you want a little romance you get a little romance in there. Get some kissing. Everything's better with a little kissing. There you go. <laughs> and I'll also shout out just to keep plussing you up on stuff, but like uh, Rock Candy Mountain was so heartbreaking and so sad at the same time that it was funny. Like it was a really beautiful, wonderful book. So yeah. um, Thanks, there's, there's a lot of book. stuff going on. So good. Yeah. Uh, I think you... it's another book. That, start, that book yeah. starts very funny. By the end, it's not. Like that's just, no. yeah. I think that's progression. I think the progression of things that, that have a, lo- a lot of different elements in them is there's what hooks you and it's the journey it takes you on and Mm -hmm. i think that's maybe over prevalent in my books but i can see it's like oh there's where it starts here's where it's like hey don't you like these guys i'm doing something awful to them let's see where it goes and the where they go is the real story right so inevitably jokes fall out but i also think there's always so there's always a place for a ghost dick joke really if you think about it (laughs) um so where monsters lie how long is the series i know it's a limited series four issues four issues oh wow and do you have anything else lined up after that that you can talk about anything else i don't i don't have any listen i don't have anything else i can talk about because it hasn't been announced yet i'm gonna have i can i can 
bring the lights down. Give me this. I, I will have the biggest book of my career uh, announced, I think, January. Because um, mm. oh. it comes out in April. So I don't know when they start announcing for but the biggest book of my career is going to be announced. I'm I'm very excited, but I can't talk about it because they haven't announced it yet. Um, in fact, nothing I have, I can, uh, I have another book that I think is supposed to come out this year. That's uh, YA. I mm-hmm. don't think I can talk. I don't think I can talk <laughs> about it. I think, I think they told me not to talk about it. Um, so I'm at, a, I mean, I'm at right now, I'm at a weird place because I'm, I'm wrapping up. Um, I hate this place. And the la- I'm doing the last group for I hate this place. I'm doing the last issue of this miniseries that's going to be announced, which is going to be a big, de- I think it's going to be a big deal. I think it should be a big deal. Um, it's a recognized property from the big two that I think when it's announced, Ooh. if you're familiar with my work, you'll be like, Oh, that's a, it's a, per- it's a natural fit. Um, and I've had nothing but a great time with it. Uh, I have a bunch of pitches out, but those are pitches. They've been approved, but you know, it's nothing. Like I don't have artists connected to that stuff yet. So I'm at a, I'm at a really weird place like right now um, where I just did creep show. I did a uh, half an issue of creep show mm-hmm. with Fran Galan, who did whose art is oh, wow. unbelievably good in that. And uh, he's like, oh, we should put together this thing. And I was like, well, what do you want to do? Like, what are you into? And so, like, we're like, oh, we'll do this. But he's like, well, I, you know, I'm working on a book until at least February. So it's like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do until February. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I'm at, a, I'm at an interesting place where I'm going to have to sort of do some some figuring and some pivoting. And um, if I didn't have savings, like, it'd be awful. And I'd be sick to my stomach and so nauseous. But, like, it's kind of exciting because I, I probably get 60, maybe more days to do whatever I want. Or I start working on one of these approved pitches. Like, who knows? But yeah, I got stuff coming. I always got stuff coming out. I've always got stuff coming out. And I'd love to do it. I, I hope this sells well enough that we can do a sequel just because it's a horror movie. Why would you not do at least one bad sequel? There you go. Um, and I'd, I'd love to work with Piotr again. He he was a huge professional. He really elevated things, which is what you want. Yeah, um, I felt, dude, he does he does things. Like I said, I wrote this eye being popped out, but he did little things and you'd be like, Man, that's good. There's a bit where it was such a crazy is. angle to have that happen too. Like it was the like, whole thing. I think someone's neck gets broken, and but he he really goes for it in any of the violent sequences. And I had a bit where someone gets hit with a claw hammer, and yeah. sort of like you know they're hitting like this way, and as they hit, like they have one, two, three, four teeth coming out, like the row of teeth. <laughs> and like I never would have, I never would have written like he's but he's like there should be a row of teeth showing the action, and it's so gross. Like it's so grody, it's awesome. Uh, wow. So I'd love to work with Peter again. I think this was like I think this was very much his calling because he does horror stuff uh, so well. Uh, his Witcher comic is beautiful. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Um, it's just mm-hmm. beautiful. Or he did a Bloodborne too. He did like a Bloodborne mm-hmm. with all sorts of monsters in it. He's mm-hmm. he's great. I, he's, he was amazing. Um, art looks. I mean, the art looks great. He brought great. all his characters to life. Uh, I'm really I'm really pleased. I just got issue three because we he's drawing four now, and I read issue three and I was like, oh, it's really good. Like, thank God. Because I thought it was good when I wrote it, but then you get it and you're like, "Oh, it was really good." Yeah. Because um, you're so far away, you know, you get so distant when you write when you actually see start seeing pages. So I'm really excited. I think that's got to be such a cool feeling where you write something, you know, it kind you kind of goes out of your head, and then when you get to see it kind of come to life, that's got to be amazing. Yeah, most of the time. Sometimes, it's <laughs> and, and also sometimes you have to go. I don't remember this. Page. Like I have to go look to make sure. It's a weird thing that you like the collaboration process for comics is so weird just because it's like, oh, let me go find this script I wrote in February to make sure everything's supposed to be on this page. Um, but that's almost it's, it's never a problem I've actually like, ever had. But you have to do it. You have to go look. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's yeah. comics collaboration. Awesome. And you go, that's really funny. I'm glad I wrote that. 
Whoa, way to go, Pat Kyle. You wrote some good stuff. I'm very proud of you, Pat Kyle. And, you know, and and that's like for me, you know, my uh, my when people are like, oh, like what are your? This is such a weird segue, but what is your advice for like people who want to, you know, start yeah. making things? And my thing is always, oh, make the thing that you want to exist, right? Like tell the story that you want to hear, that you want to hear. And so the the nice thing about these collaborations is like oh I don't like I don't remember these four panels and I go back and I'm like oh that's good I like that I, <laughs> I'm so pleased that I did that because I really like it um, which is awesome. true for again most everything I've done is I'm a, I can we I just reread I don't remember things um, I just did this New York Public Library thing with Chris Schweitzer because they picked uh, Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keen to be one of their top ten books of the year for adults very cool um, and. Uh, and I was like, they're going to ask me about characters. And I don't remember any of their names. I mostly remember what they did. And I told him, and he's like, he's like, you don't remember their names? And I'm like, no. Like, I wrote that. I I live in the book when I'm doing it. I live mm-hmm. in it so hard that it's all, it's my everything. It's like, this book is my everything. And then when it's done, I'm done. Like, I'm moving yeah. on to the next thing, and that's my everything. And he's like, oh, I remember how many pages. And I'm like, wow. Who, wow. Who, who, like I don't care. Like, I, <laughs> I, lo- I love them. It's, and the thing is, like, so I'm rereading Six Sidekicks. And I'm texting him like, oh, this is really good. Like, this bit's really good. We did really good. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I thought we did pretty good. I'm like, no, this is great. We did so good. We made such a good book. Uh, that's a great feeling. That's the best feeling, I think, is like going back and going, this is still really good. They're all still really good. I'm really proud of what I've been able to put out. I've been lucky to only have to do what I wanted to do for the most part. So. Uh, it's awesome. Well, awesome. Kyle, uh, this book is so good. I can't wait yeah. to read the rest of it. Love the first two issues. Congratulations. Thank you so and, much. Um, uh, very excited for whatever's going to happen on I Hate This Place as well. I love that book too. Yeah, so. really looking forward to the big announcement. And that too. Yeah, hopefully coming, hopefully coming soon. Yeah. Awesome. I think, Kyle. I don't know. Thanks I'm for done coming. already? <laughs> uh, what? Yeah, we're done already. Uh, thank you for coming. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, uh, sorry, I'll be, I'll do it all day. Yeah. No, thank you, thank you so, much, uh, for so much. Thank you for coming yeah. on. It was a pleasure. Um, happy New Year in advance. Yeah, Happy well. New Year, you guys, too. Where Monsters Lie, out from Dark Horse Comics. Order it now. <laughs> you got to do the pre-orders, guys. You yeah. got to yeah. do the pre-orders. Here's Wait, the actually, before we let you go, do you want to explain? I assume most people know this, but why are pre-orders important? I'll, I'll tell you why. Okay. I'll tell you why, says Kyle Starks. Here's <laughs> the thing about comics. is you go, oh, I've heard about this great new comic. It's the new... Who's your, who's your favorite writer? Who's your favorite writer? Kyle, Kyle Starks. Starks. All right. The new Kyle Starks. That's very nice. But, and you're like, oh, it, uh, the new uh, Brian K. Vaughn book's coming out, right? You're like, oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. I can't wait for it to come out. I'm going to go get it. They'll have number one. They'll no doubt have number one because they're going to order a ton of Brian K. Vaughn. But your store has no idea how to how many to order number two. They have no idea. And by the time number one's come out, they already had to order number two. They had to order number three. So the thing is, like, one, if you if you want to actually get all issues of a book, you have to pre-order it. You have to go to your store and tell them you want it because what will happen is, yes, they will probably have number one. But they won't have two. They won't have three. And they'll definitely not have four unless you reserve it in some way for yourself. That's number one. Number two, if you're me, if you're on my end, Dark Horse, I'm like, hey, when, let's talk about the next thing. And they say, oh, we're still waiting on numbers for where wow. monsters lie. So for me, I need it desperately. Is it great if it sells out and goes to a second printing? Sure. Is it better if retailers order 3,000 more copies? By the way, 3,000 copies. Come on. Is it better if they order 3,000 more copies? Of course. Like, that's the thing. So not only not only is it great for me as a creator, but who cares? Like, that doesn't matter, really. But if you want it, that's always my thing is, like, because I'll go. There's this one store in town that, like, orders my books, and they'll order, like, too many copies of number one. They're still, they still have, like, who knows how many copies. But they never have the newest book because the people who want it are buying it. 
So if someone walks in and wants issue five of like, I hate this place, they're probably not going to be able to get it because they didn't, they didn't put it in the reserve. They didn't pre-order it. Like they, they probably order like two copies more. So that's really the thing. One, it's like, it assures you that you get it. And I know a lot of people are like, well, I just want to try it. Hey, cancel it after number one. It still mm-hmm. looks great for me. I don't know how that affects retailers. I'm sorry, retailers. I don't know if that's bad. If you're like, I don't need to carry this anymore. I got number one. But the, those pre-order numbers are crucial, especially like Brian K. Brian K. Vaughn's not sweating it. Um, uh, who else is really good? Ship Zdarsky's not sweating at this point. Tom King's not sweating at this point. Um, uh, Matt Kent's not sweating it at this point. But your Kyle Starks is. We are sweating it very badly. Um, but also, it's like I want people to get the book. And, it, you know, I'm a trade waiter. Like, I, I 100% get it. Um, there are dope variant covers, which is sort of uh, is sort of the um, – what's the word I'm with? Like, that's the incentive. Incentive, yes. For, uh, for I hate this place. We do the back matter. I do an original strip every month. We try to do back matter. I don't think we're doing back matter for this, but I haven't heard uh, for sure. And I'm always here for it because that's my thing is, like, why get the single issues? What's the added value? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, dope covers. That's sh- – sure. Um, <laughs> I think the first one's James Stokoe and the second one's – Fabio Moon and then Tyler Crook and then Dave Rubin. Um, yeah, good, like good horror guys, really great horror guys. So yeah, the pre-ordering is real important. And I think like if you go to a store and I, I put this online, I was like, Hey guys, make sure you pre-order. It's great. It's really important. Um, and they're like, Oh, what's like, give me a link. And I'm like, mm, I don't know how that works. I don't know if there's an <laughs> online service. I don't know if there's a mail order service. That's also like, don't pay shipping. If you don't have to just go into the store and get it. Of course, for some people, that's not an option. Um, and I understand it. But yeah, pre-ordering is important. It's more important than it seems like it should be for an industry because you think you should just be able to go and buy something and you should. Mm-hmm. But the way that comics work is literally your store is ordering issue three. Maybe it has already ordered issue three by the time number one shows up on the shelves. It's a yeah. crazy thing where it puts stores also via your pull list. Like that's a part of it too. Um, is your it, The stores need it. It's, it's all data for the stores and for creators and publishers. And it assures you, you get the thing you want. I hope I did a great job with that. I felt like it was very compelling, very informative. All right. Yeah, you did an awesome job. And I'm going to go to my comic book store tomorrow, and I'm going to reserve the first three issues of Where Monsters I'm going to to get all four. I'm going to reserve all four. I'm going to go go three and kind of see what happens. Issue four four is the David Rubin cover, and it's the best one. Sorry, everyone else. It's really good. It's uh, Professor Puzzleman. It's very good. Um, Yeah, but listen, I'm a trade waiter. I get it, but... If you're not a trade waiter, if you like if you like that monthly fix, which I, I loved when I was when I was in when I was fully comic fan, I like mm-hmm. that. I liked how this week was this comic and next week was that. I love that. Um, you got to put the pre-orders in. You can't just those guys probably know those. It's a new people. If you want all four issues of my delicious, fun, exciting new Dark Horse comic about monsters and revenge, you got to put that pre-order in. There you go. And I love you for it. Thank you so much. I'm also sorry the top ten list of the year is all going to be my books. So I apologize in advance for that. All my books, Tom King's Supergirl, World of Woman of Tomorrow. Yeah, oh, yeah. Also that's came out last year. Yeah, it's right. got to be on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice House on the Lake. Did that come out this year? That's probably yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's uh, really good. I'll tell you, we're, we're going to get to our list in a little bit. We also have a trade list that we're going to do on our Stack Podcast ah. that comes out Wednesdays. And uh, wait, I'm going to double check before I'm going to promise this, but I believe... Uh, six sidekicks is it's on there yeah it's, oh, it's I'm on gonna, there I, oh it's I'm not out there now it's definitely gonna be i'm, gonna, I'm gonna say this if, if you it yes. also if and kyle please leave this kyle we have to talk about other things <laughs> kyle <laughs> kyle you're holding us captive now listen if you do if, if you get where monsters lie and you like it i already have a book out it's called old head it involves dracula's head it involves legacy and it's violent and it's funny and i think 
they're very similar creatures. Um, no one talked about Old Head this year. Old Head, Old Head and Six Sidekicks both should have been nominated for Eisner's for Best Humor Publication. I say that objectively. Objectively, they should have. But I'll tell you, all the... I'm going to talk... Can I talk shit? Can I talk shit? Yeah, yeah, talk yeah shit. Please, let's please. do this. I like Listen. how you're looking around. I know. I want to make sure none of these other creators are in the room. Because <laughs> um, this is awful. This is a terrible thing that I'm going to say. But Six Sidekicks of Trigger Key, not nominated for an Eisner. The books that were nominated are not making any best of year list. And I'm just saying, I'm just saying, <laughs> what's the real lesson here? Six <laughs> so good. Old Head should have been on those lists too. So I, yeah, we're much as lie. You're going to love it. It's so much fun. I'm here for you guys to have fun. That's all I want. And uh, uh, you can close the window now. I'll see you guys later. Thank you for having me. It's been so great. Bring me back someday. Let's do it again. Yay. Yay. Thank you, Kyle. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks so much. Right. That was fun. Oh my gosh! Uh, there you go. That was the nicest mean thing I think anybody's ever said. They're yeah, like, my book is good. There you go. Uh, but yes, like you said, where monsters lie out from Dark Horse Comics. The final order cutoff is January 9th, So get in your orders before then, and it hits stores on very first. And like we said, we read the first two issues. They're awesome. You're totally right. Super gross, fantastic action. They're great. Uh, and I'll tell you what. We should probably go to the next part, but before we do that, we're going to invite our third here on stage. Oh, is he? Did he sh- show up? He did show up. He showed up. I noticed it a little earlier, but it was towards the end of the interview. So no, okay. I kept uh, him out just so he could really think about it when he's done. Just oh, what time. was it? Was it toward the end of the interview? Because I thought <laughs> you had a replacement for me. Because I saw all of that interview. And I could tell Alex has his champagne. He doesn't want to let me in to talk, even no, though I'm I... drinking a cocktail that was designed by our CBC chef. I don't care. Straight. Shut up. <laughs> hey, I gotta up. sit and hey, listen to you guys talk. I like. I love. I hate this place. I did put six sidekicks on my best of uh, list, and here I am in the wing like a sucker. Sucker. Well, that's what happens when you're late. You know what I mean? Oh, sorry. I was in the car for nine hours driving through a snowstorm. So things happen. The world affects us, Pete. And you can't tell what it is. Look at you in a safe little home. And look yep. at you, Alex, in the same spot. I was in the wilds we're of actually, upstate New York. We have a, we're next to each other. We're recording I, next I, to each other. Bleeding, yeah, I could two tell. and a half feet of snow. I could, tell, listen, I could tell. Listen to the interview. You guys are right next to each other. Old Justin's out on the float, pushed out to sea. Oh, well, man, you what, Kyle is, says he wants to talk to you. Can I just say, Justin, this is the worst conversation of 2022. So I'd love to turn it over to the best comic books of 2022. Oh, wow. This guy can't even see. He can't even stop transitioning to speak to the my my complaints. Oh, boy. There we go. Guys. Wow, there's slides this year? There were all slides last year. Oh, this wow. Is, this is I why I was late. I was I working on these drunk. slides. Yes. <laughs> you were picking them up nine hours away. We had them delivered nine hours we shouldn't away. Have, like we shouldn't challenge. have sent them out. We should have done it at home. So the these house. are our best comic books of 2022. I will, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I'm going to say this again. This was real hard. I My list, my whittled down list was probably 50 to 75 comics. I know you guys had big lists as well. We got on a, a Zoom. It's okay. You can say your list was bigger than ours. It's all right. You know no, what I mean? it was like, too Alex many. Just li- did, Alex wrote a, down every comic we talked about pretty in much. You he, guys did a better job of narrowing it down than I did. This was not a humble brag. This was a slam. I couldn't speed. sleep last night because of the, uh, the decisions we've made on this list. It was very, very hard, but I do think we've got some books that we talked about this year that we think are representative of the year. Obviously, things are going to get left out. That's just the nature of lists, but when 
why don't we get into it? And uh, we'll each uh, talk about some of our favorite books as we go around, and we'll chime in on them as well. But here we go. We had a supersized list this year, so we're going to start oh, yeah. off with number 15. That Ooh. Texas Blood from Image Comics, written by Chris Condon, art by Sean Phillips. Justin, you want to talk about this one? I love this book. I've talked about it on the show a ton. Uh, what, what's great about it is it is uh, it sort of it's able to shift uh, to a couple different styles. The most recent arc, which you're seeing a cover from here, is a terrifying sort of winter uh, horror story with uh, uh, which you're living the, through right now. <laughs> exactly. I feel that's why I love this book even more. I put it to the top of the list. Um, is uh, so it, it, it's that it started out as more of a, a small town, small Texas town crime story, uh, and the middle arc was um, about uh, a cult and sort of some occult cult situations they were dealing with. But the the fact that this book is able to do all of that while maintaining the fantastic art style, um, I I love this book. It's a great if you're a fan of criminal and that world and haven't tried this, you really really need to. Just to give in case people are watching this and. Of just listening, there isn't much chess actually in the comic. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, it's great, not like Queen's Gambit in a comic yeah. book form. The yeah. one thing that I will throw in there just to add on to what Justin's saying that I've been really impressed is this book started in one place and it has gone so far afield from what we thought it was. It played around in different genres, which has been very, very cool to see. But maintaining tone. Yeah, absolutely. Next up, number 14, oh. Ice Cream Man from Image Comics, written by W. Maxwell Prince, art by Martine Morazzo. This is Martin. kind of a no-brainer. We talk about every issue of this. We love every issue of this. We we just had them on the show talking about their other series, Art Brute, as well as yeah. this. Did and we talk to them about Ice Cream Man, though? Uh, we did talk to them about okay, Ice Cream good, Man. Good. Every single issue of this is pretty much perfect, I would say. It embraces different tones and emotions, yeah. particularly over the past year. It's gotten much more personal and deep and dark in an emotional way versus dark in just a straight horror way, which has really been fascinating and impressive uh, to see. And like it's, the characters, yeah. it's been warming, characters in the book, it's been warming its way into our brains so now that we have started to mm. see ice cream men in our daily lives. I just fought one off. Yeah. Um, and I have a hard time when they drive by not fighting them. Uh, to, to Stray Bully's point, though, uh, number one last year, we felt like we talked about it so much. You know, a lot of the times we feel like we want to put books on people's radar and if we talk them to death we kind of pe feel like people get it and we can talk about other books a little bit well i, I think right. there's that there's also there's other books that like ice cream man is just always going to be our book we're always going to be in on that we're always sold on that there are other books on this list though that i think it was more their year and that's why they ended up a little harder uh, also but this book is just such a creative juggernaut i i really was Every issue, so impressed. You don't know what you're going to get. You know it's going to be scary. You know it's going to be a little bit creepy. But so impressive, the creativity, the different kinds of ideas that they would do and pull off every issue. Just so impressive as a, as a, a writing feat as well as a artistic feat every single time. Well, why don't we move to number 13, Catwoman, Lonely City, from DC Comics by Cliff Chiang. Pete, take it away. All right, first of all, this is the year of the artist. Do you know what I mean? Like Cliff, Cliff uh, Chang is just one of those people who was just known for a right, but now is doing it all, and man, just killing it. Uh, should be in charge of everything because the art 
in is, charge of everything. That's right. Wow, the artist should be crazy. in charge of everything. Uh, I, I was just. By the way, real quick, I don't want to interrupt too much, but Justin, how did Cliff do with the snow plowing on the roads when you were coming down? He was good, um, but he uh, doesn't know Thank how you. to drive. He doesn't know how to drive, so it was a little bit haphazard. Oh, come on! Don't say that about Cliff. He's a great driver. Don't say. Well, that. he was. You know what he was doing? He was, he was drawing when he should have been focusing on the wheel. Uh, well, yeah, you know, some, sometimes you got to you know bring your. Bring your art to work, but now, Pete, I, when you when you say that this is the year of the artist, would you say that your um, uh, lifetime war against words is finally um, being won? It's finally because, uh, a little bit at a time. We're winning, uh, but yeah, worth it for the art alone. Are you kidding me? This is just such a unbelievable accomplishment. Uh, such a cool vibe you brought to Catwoman. Such an artistic masterpiece. Just so artistically led and, and, and beautiful world to jump in and explore. Uh, you know, Catwoman, not one of my uh, favorite characters, but with this really brought Catwoman uh, above and beyond for me. I was just so impressed. Every single issue of this was a banger. I, I was just so, so impressed with what he achieved in this comic. Nice. Great book. Uh, very good. Next up, huge surprise here. Didn't talk about it earlier in the podcast. I hate this place. Coming in at number 12 from Image Comics, written by Kyle Starks, art by Art Young Toplin. This is our audience favorite as well, as mentioned towards the beginning. We asked folks. Oh, the little badge, and... audience favorite. Mm-hmm. I love I this badge. Little, I, yeah. I imagine yeah. I imagine we'll be seeing a lot of them as we go forward. Oh, this should be a sticker or something. I'd love yeah. to wear that. We'll see I'm what like... happens, I guess. Yeah. But regardless we asked folks uh, both on our patreon slack and other places um about some of their favorite books this one came out on tops and it was on our list as well we also love this book this takes place uh, follows two women who inherit an old house that is beset by literally everything like everything everything ghosts monsters aliens strange things that are indescribable it's a it scary time to buy a worse. home it's a scary time to buy a home but like we were talking about earlier in the podcast this is funny from a relationship perspective uh, but it also brings in great horror elements and it is relentlessly creative throughout the way they struggle through the their mortgage rate uh, breakdown is unbelievable, and that's why it's so hard to buy a place. And speaking of this, um, the title, I Hate This Place, having just spent nine hours in a car, I definitely get that. And also what's fun is after the interview, uh, you can reread it and then think about all the places Kyle wanted to put more ghost dicks, and he would, you know, maybe the artist was like, I think there's too many. Talk about a sticker. Well, that's something if we had our own <laughs> ghost sticks, we could drop them anywhere in any right. book. Let's oh pause the show for a little bit. I'll put some ghost stick stickers on a bunch of other things. The the beauty of ghost sticks is you can imagine them in your mind at any time, like the many that are hanging off your faces right now. Oh, come on, man. That's what I'm doing, Pete. You can't stop me. (laughs) Number 11. I can stop you. Number 11. Superman, son of Kal-El from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by John Tibbs, C.N. Tormey, et al. Justin, take it away. Um, I mean, this is the year. Tom Taylor has had such a year. the year of the writer is what you're going to say. No, Uh, don't you do. It's the year of the artist. It's the year of the writer. Finally, artists, we can put them to bed because it's time for words, words, words to to ring the bell. Uh, Tom Taylor has had such an uh, ascendance, I feel like, um, when it comes to just character-driven superhero storytelling. Um, Between this and a book we're going to talk about a little bit higher up on the list, um, I feel like taking these characters into a new place where we are both inside their heads, having 
following them as their relationships change, as they go through the highs and lows of what it is to be a superhero and have a real life. While at the same time, building out a new pantheon of villains for 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 Superman here and uh, just and, and also the long form storytelling of this uh, Lex Luthor driven thing and all the sort of intricacies of the conspiracy behind that. It's just been a great book and um, excellent art as well by, um, by the team here. Yeah. I just was so impressed with what they're doing with Superman here in this book. It is uh, such a fresh, cool take really love the choices being made. Uh, just such a uh, great thing to have in your stack. I was just, I uh, look forward to every issue and it delivered on every issue. They were just doing such great work on this comic. And I just do also want to give a shout out to the inclusion here in terms of yeah. Superman and his boyfriend. It's been a wonderful relationship to see. And the, the biggest thing I would say about that is how Tom Taylor expertly wove that relationship into the emotional thread of the book and the progression of John Kent as a character. It wasn't something that was just done for a stunt as it might have done back in the 90s or something like that. Instead, it was really part of his emotional growth and his emotional growth as a hero. There's an issue when Superman, when Kal-El returns, that is just absolutely beautiful to see dealing with that. One of the best, best issues of the year. Uh, uh, shout out to the comments. To know- Be- real quick, shout out to the comments. Ben the Border Carly. Um, fact check, Tom Taylor's been knocking out of the park for years. Remember his Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man book? Yes, we've been on Tom Taylor for a long time, but I feel like um, the mainstream has finally, like these two books that we've been talking about and, uh, and all of the other work that he's making, have really um, gotten the spotlight this year. Uh, I think b- bigger than before. Yeah, we used to see Tom Taylor at like small clubs in the middle of the night. There was nobody there. Now he's exactly. huge, releasing millions. Stadium selling out stadiums. Like, we were, we were yeah. fans first. Yeah, yeah. If you love Tom Taylor so much, name three of his books. You know what I'm talking about. Wow. Number ten, Deadly Class, Image Comics, written by Rick Remender, art by Wes Craig. Pete, this one over to you. Oh man, this ended so well. Uh, it's just one of those things where the ending is so important. I I feel like. Rick Remender can mess with your emotions, but this was just, ah, oh, just such a, a lovely uh, ending and love letter to such an accomplishment. Um, just it started off so crazy and then ended up in such an amazing place. The art was super bananas tight. It was just mm. such an achievement from start to finish. This is something that, you know, uh, I don't want him to die, but when he does die, this is something that's going to be talked about for years and years to come. (laughs) Such a beautiful, beautiful book. Uh, Just, oh, so it was just (laughs) great. Just fucking great. Alex, it's so funny. We're talking about the end of an epic storyline here. (laughs) Why aren't you mourning the loss of this? You're just over there giggling. Like, yeah, I I was laughing at the idea of like Pete got in that fight with Rick Remender back in the day. I'm just picturing him going up to Rick and being like, "Hey, would you die? We're going to talk about this book." (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's all. Uh, But I, I totally agree. Otherwise, this ended in such a surprising, purposefully surprising and personal way. Something I absolutely would not have expected from the beginning of the book. I was really blown away by the last couple of issues in particular. What I love about Rick Remender is ever since we first saw his work, I think, on Fear Agent back in the day and first, like, started interviewing him at different cons and whatnot, um, 
he's always been this like super emotional writer. And I think that's something in comic books that is really rare where it's like sort of emotion first, a lot of it's story first or like action first or whatnot. But he's always been emotion first. And I thought the end of Daily Deadly Class really hit hard on like his personal emotional investment in the book as well as the character's emotional impact on each other through the lens of let's all murder everybody. Yeah. Right, uh, right, so right. That, if that's not a, a comic book uh, that should be on this top 15 list, then what is? Next up, we've got Wonder Woman Historia of the Amazons yeah. from DC Comics, written by Kelly Sue DeConnick, art by Gene Ha and Nicholas Scott. Only two issues came out this year, but I'll tell you, the first issue by Phil Jimenez, who we had on the show and talked to him about it a little bit, was oh, an artistic masterpiece. I was yeah. very worried about not very worried but i didn't know how anything could match i didn't know how anything could match up to that because that's one of the most gorgeous comic books i've ever seen but gene ha and nicholas scott in their two issues that have been released this year completely matched up to that kelly sue deconic is writing one of the most incredible stories about the amazon's origin about wonder woman's origin about the mascara origins hippolyta is a main character and it is as revelatory a take on the greek gods in the dc universe as brian azarello and cliff chiang's take on wonder woman back in the day this is an absolute masterpiece across the board yeah i mean you want to talk about just something to pick up just to look at the art i mean it is beautiful beautiful unbelievable art it blows you away every time you just pick it up and look at it it's just so stunning and it's it's just so worth it i can imagine someone picking up the uh, like a big leather bound version of this uh book blowing the dust off it and sitting down and really paging through it in some post-apocalyptic future dystopia yeah is rick remender alive in this scenario i'm just curious uh, it's crazy. It's actually right. It's Rick Remender who's pulling it off, and he dies reading it. And then Pete's wow. there to be like, and Pete's there to be like, Rick, um, super type bananas or whatever. <laughs> Deadly class was good. Deadly class was good. Just wanted to let you know. All right. Next up, coming in at number eight, The Closet from Image Comics, written by JT Ford, art by Gavin Fullerton. Justin, take it away on this one. Uh, this was a, a three-issue, three-issue series, which you don't really see a lot of three-issue series, but sometimes that's all the, the, uh, the books you need to tell this terrifying story um, about sort of the everyday horror we create in our lives uh, because of the flaws that we all have as people. And I, I love this. I thought it was like got into this, this main character's uh, sort of life in a way where he was so flawed and then you saw it just play out over and over again while laid on top of that was this great horror situation that his son was in i i just love this this is one of the books that has really stuck in my brain um since i read it yeah i completely agree to the point where when it ended at the third issue i was like can't wait for the next issue what's gonna happen and to end on there's a little bit of a spoiler but such a bummer down sad yeah. note in retrospect was a really brave choice it was very emotional and it didn't shy away from making its characters look and feel bad across the board which is you shouldn't undervalue that that is a hard thing to hard. do in comics but it really connected on an emotional level i um, also love that it was too scary for pete yeah, yeah uh, fullerton really bringing the heat on this one 
Mm-hmm. Oh my God, those designs, particularly the closet. If you're going to call a book a closet, the closet should be scary. And and look at it; it's scary. Look at that! Yeah, All the like stars book. and I guess a moon and a couple other circles. <laughs> Probably planets, but they could be planets. But right now they're just anything. circles. Could Pete, I don't know. You're Pete. You're our artist guy. What do you think? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Are those circles or planets on planets? The they're planets. Okay, pancakes. there it is. Pancakes. Okay. Pete speaks artist. Why don't we move on to our next one, number seven, DC versus Vampires from DC Comics, written by James Tyne the Fourth and Matthew Rosenberg, Bergy! by Otto Schmidt. Uh, now, to frame this up and take a little bit of the pressure off of Pete here, I know there's some controversial thoughts about the last issue, which was released today. We're going to be talking about the last issue in our Stack Podcast tomorrow, but. We talked about this before that, so you got 11 issues of DC vs. Vampires, you got multiple <laughs> miniseries. Pete, I know you went to bat for this pretty hard to talk about it. Hold on, hold on, before you do yeah. that, Pete, I just want to say Alex is setting you up like a parent, uh, dropping a kid off at a party, being like, okay, um, uh, my son Otto, Hey, listen, fun. Listen, he's, my Justin, son is fun. My son Justin, is fun, you but he does here. punch. You my, weren't my here for the punches. pre-meeting, okay? We had a discussion about it. You're just shitting on something you weren't even there for. All right? I'm not so, shitting on it. I'm I, not I shitting on it. more of I'm, this delicious cocktail that's straight blue. I'm just saying Alex is setting you up to be like, my son Pete punches people in the neck, but he's super fun. Enjoy him at the party. I'm you don't think my parents had to do that? You don't think that my parents <laughs> had to do that with me? Okay, so um, could please punch us all in the neck. Okay, so 11 issues of absolute bangers. The, what I loved about the first 11 issues of this was the fact that like you were rewarded for being a comic book fan. There were so many little things on top of an insane premise. Yes, it's all about the vampires and vampires taking over the DC world, but there were all these little crooky crumbs and rewards for comic book fans and so many amazing choices and incredible death scenes and over-the-top stuff. The art was just unbelievable. It was such a perfect combination of writing and art and brought you into this insane, cool world. And, uh, uh, man, I just couldn't wait for every single uh, issue of this. Just blown away by the creativity, the hilariousness, the insane over-the-topness of it all. It was such an event that I was like, what? To, like, so surprised and in awe of. And you liked the ending, too. No, I didn't. Yeah, okay. I didn't right. like it so at all. And in fact, I didn't like it so much, I wanted to knock this down, if you okay, want to be honest. Okay, okay. And put action comics in this hey, place, but the what the fuck? Hey, you know uh, what I mean? Okay? Hey, come on. Let me, let me speak on it. Uh, because um, I agree with you. I, I, I love this book. This book um, sort of came, like Pete was saying, out of nowhere and delivered just some of the finest superhero crossover event-level storytelling. And it was just... A standalone book with with some additional breakout issues, um, and another thing. Speaking, if I may speak on art for a second, the art shifted so much from the first issue, which was like sort of just the coloring was very much like this is a regular superhero story. Right. By the last issue that we just read, it's like all dark red and blacks and like super heavy because the book itself sank each each issue into a darker world for our heroes. While at the same time still maintaining uh, great comedy, great character-driven moments. Um, I love this book from top to bottom. And 
uh, reading the twelfth issue, I thought it was great. I thought it was excellent. I thought it carried on the. the well, I look torch. forward to arguing with you later on the stack about this. So like, I just wanted to say for people who loved every issue up until this one and are listening to this right now, I think you're going to love the last one, and I'm sure Pete just has some nit to pick about it, and we'll find out on the stack. Well, this is our best comics of 2022, so we're going to move on to the next one. I'll admit, in advance, this is a little bit of a cheat, and I'll explain why in a second. Number six, the massive verse from Image Comics. This includes multiple books, including Radiant Black, Radiant Red, Radiant Pink, Rogue Sun, The Dead Lucky, um, a couple of other ones. It says here on this poster, Inferno Girl Red, uh, and there's a couple of upcoming books as well, but... This is a rapidly expanding superhero universe that we've talked about almost every single issue of. And it started in this place where we described it as, oh, this feels like a fresh new Invincible is essentially yeah. what it is. But it has grown in so many different ways as it's gone in different respects. It's also delivered some of my favorite single issues of the year, frankly. There's an issue that I've talked about incessantly of Rogue Sun, which played with time loops and Choose Your Own Adventure, which was phenomenally creative. There was an issue of Radiant Black that had multiple timelines running on the same page. So not only are they delivering some really, really solid superhero stories, and some very emotional ones, particularly over The Dead Lucky, which is dealing with PTSD uh, yeah. in particular, uh, from from war, <laughs> just the general idea of that in, <laughs> Veterans. Well, it's like a it's a sci-fi war. It's not like you know what I mean. Yeah, anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, my point being that like from it's delivered on so many different levels from being a cohesive superhero universe that's telling an enormous story that delivers emotional things, delivers things creatively, but also not to use a buzzword, but like from a transmedia perspective, there was one thing where they have a yeah. plot line and an issue where they're filming a viral video starring, I don't remember, some C-list actor. And they actually, if you scan the QR code, they had a secret animated video on YouTube. There's a book coming up called No One that's a mystery set of the massive universe that's going to have a companion podcast that's going to run alongside of it. So it's really hard to scale up this quickly with anything, as any movie studio who's been like, we're going to be the next Marvel has seen. The fact that they've done this in comics is ludicrously impressive. Luda, yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's, you know, as far as big events, crossovers, all this, this has been like such a consistent event and every single issue they've put out has really delivered in different kinds of ways. Uh, first off, though, the art has just been so amazing and such a cool stylized choice that has really worked. But also just like they zoomed in, zoomed out, played with different characters in such uh, uh, cool ways. It was really, really impressive to read. We were just really blown away with the achievement that they, they accomplished with this. And I think it's something that we've been trying to crack, like why um, books like this have got found such success so quickly uh, because it's uh, everybody wants to do what the what the massive verse is doing right now and i think the answers i've come up with by the at this point are it's super consistent it's super focused on a specific sort of central power set and mystery and characters and spinning out and just adding intricate details to each one as we go and really using um uh, an issue or a couple issues to really do some narrative tricks like the, the rogue sun sun issue that uh, Alex was talking about. Um, so it, it's just very deliberate, very focused, which I think is really hard to do. And the pacing is, is excellent across the board. Yeah. 
Next one, coming in at number five, Nightwing from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by Bruto Redondo at all. Justin, you want to talk about this? No surprise, this is the other Tom Taylor book we were talking about. Um, and the fact that pairing Tom Taylor with, uh, with, with Dick Grayson, with Nightwing, um, a character that is purely like driven by heart, is sort of the, the Batman with a little bit more that we can get behind. And maybe that's a controversial thing to say, but like he, he's a, a crime fighter who we believe in him. It's not about his, his frailties, his, the damage that's been done to him. He's all uh, like radiant energy and, and good vibes. And I mean, the central thing for me in this book is just the great action, the interesting art and uh, break panel breakdowns that we've seen. And his relationship with Barbara Gordon has been uh, just teasing that sort of rom-com, those rom-com moments throughout here. I've really loved. Yeah, yeah this has just been, uh, every single issue of this has just been so good. Just uh, so much fun, so much action, so creative, so well-drawn and uh, artistically put together. It has just been such a pleasure to read every one of these issues this year. Uh, just uh, impossible not to put this on this list. It has been so consistent and so impressive. Well, at the same time, just like a great new supervillain for Nightwing has been slowly building throughout this entire run. And we're just going to get that exploding onto these pages uh, sometime next year. I think. Yeah, great relationship stuff. Really got uh, got me in the feels a couple times. There you go. Number four, Punisher from Marvel, written by Jason Aaron, art by Jesus Saiz and Paul Azaceda. I'll handle this one. Oh, take oh, okay. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> no, uh, this has been, you know, taking a character that you may or may not love and bringing him to the forefront in such a cool, amazing way. I've learned new things about the Punisher that I didn't know. Uh, just yeah, uh, real, Apparently, he's, like, mad. Uh, just really impressive what they're doing with this character in this and also really impressive the art and the storytelling that's happening i've been so happy uh as a punisher fan with this book and jason aaron is uh absolutely killing the game um i i agree i think jason aaron i really love jason aaron and um his take on the punisher has been putting him in positions where it's not just so one-sided and one-directional. Yeah. Um, it's him sort of between a rock and a hard place, and it's just a new way of using this character. So I have enjoyed it, and I think it does deserve a spot on uh, our list. I do think there are too many ghost sticks, though, in general, like <laughs> on this book. Just like it feels like it's covered in them, and I, mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like Pete, you wouldn't like that, but I guess you what? love it. What's really, not, not, not to one. interrupt this ghost dick discussion, but what's really working for me about this Punisher run is the level of difficulty that Jason Aaron and company have placed for themselves. And what I mean by that is retcons are really hard to do effectively. And he is not only bringing back Maria, Punisher's wife, which is a huge deal. It's if you insane. know anything about the Punisher side. It's his Uncle Ben. It's yeah, his Uncle Ben. Go. So that's a pretty huge deal. And making that work emotionally, he's not only turning Punisher essentially to the side of evil, or at least tempting him towards the side of evil, which is also a very hard thing to do. But thanks to these beautifully drawn <laughs> backstories with Paul as a Seda uh, that take us all the way back to yeah. Frank's childhood. It's showing us this idea. And this is the biggest run cut of all, like this idea that, oh, he was not created the day of that picnic in Central Park. 
This is something that he has been slowly groomed over his entire life by the hand to be worked into this position he is in right now. And the fact that that's working on multiple emotional levels, both for Maria, who we've delved more into in these most recent issues, but also particularly for Frank, a character who is known for being stoic and shooting guns, is beyond impressive. Yeah, I uh, mean... It- what it's like it's not just saying the punisher is doing these things it's showing the punisher kind of like in different ways and what he means to different people you know like if he was in charge of the hand what would that mean and what would he do with it and then also you have Ares, the god of war like and what punisher means to him like it's all these different relationships that we've never really thought about and exploring them in such new creative ways uh, I just so impressive. What I love about it is it feels like so much of I think Garth Ennis broke the Punisher open a little bit when it was like, no, look, he was like this before. It was a war story. And that's he came back with that energy. And what I like about this, like Alex was saying, is it, it takes it back even further and have it, it placing it in his for his entire life. But I think the real genius, the masterstroke there is having Maria telling that story. So it ties her into that and her being the one when they from when they first met that sort of gave him peace because that really sets up so well that uh, her dying isn't just a tragedy that pushed him into a lifelong quest of revenge, which we've seen before. It it actually just took away the one thing that was keeping him in place. Mm -hmm. So it it added this great essential piece to the Punisher story. Um, And uh, I I think it is just really it's a it's a a version of his origin that I want to believe more than the story before. But again, just a couple too many ghost sticks. (laughs) Number three, Rain from Image Comics, written by David M. Boer, based on a story by Joe Hill, art by Zoe Thorogood. This is an adaptation of a short story by Joe Hill that really got blown out beautifully by David M. Boer over the course of a couple of issues set in a world beset by rain that is turning into nails and immediately kills people. It is a love story. It is a heartbreak story. There's a little bit of a mystery story in there. And it is all elevated by absolutely mind-blowing art by Zoe Thorogood throughout the book. This is a perfect adaptation that expands on the original material. Yeah, this was such a cool, creative story, something that we we don't see a lot in comic books. It was just so beautifully drawn, so uh, beautifully written. There was just so many powerful moments in this insane kind of premise. Uh, it's just one of those things where we stopped and, and talked about what stuck out uh, over the year. This one was something that always came up in the discussions and was just so unique and, and uh, so well done. Um, you know, a thorough good, more like thorough unfucking believable. <laughs> oh, that's good. Thorough super tight bananas, a name yeah. that will probably be on the cover of the comic by any uh, by the release of the volume. Um, I agree. I mean, this is fantastic, uh, surprising, unsettling the whole time, um, uh, but always a nice story and putting a a romance that is like uh, that. There's a twist in at the end of the first issue at the center of all five issues was um, a surprise that really, really worked, I thought. Yeah. Next up, coming in at number two is The Human Target from DC Comics, written by Tom King, art by Greg Smallwood. Justin, talk about this one. I mean, this book, we've talked We talked about every issue of this. It is, it's just fine. Um, and I mean that in like, it's just like a refined 
just excellent comic book. It is uh, top tier. It's like drinking a top shelf cocktail. It's uh, drinking a perfect martini. It's um, it's Tom King, uh, Greg Smallwood on art, uh, bringing us a uh, a superhero story with all of the 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 gravitas and the uh, the suaveness of a James a great James Bond movie. It has it's a sexy comic. It's a comic that makes you feel like you're in the in a romance that is heated, and you you feel it with the characters. All this is happening while at the same time our main character is slowly dying. It's got high stakes. It's just another way that Tom King has taken a character from the DC universe, made a choice for them, and then told us a story that changes changes everything for the way we look at this character and the DC universe in general. Uh, it's it's just so so good. It also is taking the Justice League international characters who are generally thought of as the funny Justice League, treating them seriously, but not necessarily in a deadly serious way so much as something that honors the way that the characters are and the way that they relate to each other. Tom King has this writing tick where he takes characters you love and finds the absolute worst aspects of them. But a lot of it is to challenge what you think of them and how you think about the things that they did rather than just, oh, this is a fun lark of a comic. I'm having a good time. It's really looking back at it and reexamining that and treating them like real people and giving them real characteristics, which is really interesting. It's, it's well, and I think the, I, I think the flawed nature of those characters and the fact that they are sort of a punchline helps the story, helps the, the noir detective aspects of it where they are coming in there and they're sort of fucking around a little bit. And it makes it so much more fun to read. Yeah, it's it's such a kind of impressive whodunit with, with art that is just pulls you into this kind of uh, uh, sexy genre, you know, double oh seven kind of feel in such an interesting way that isn't kind of making fun of anything. It's just. Uh, you're, you're each issue, you're getting more and more information as you pull deeper, deeper into the story. It's just really impressive from top to bottom. Yeah. And now it's time to reveal our number one comic of the year. Probably Probably a predictable number one pick. Well, not necessarily because I do think, well, we'll get to it. Uh, Not totally predictable, predictable for one third of us, but I think we all agreed and it came out very easily as number one when we tallied up our votes and everything. Here we go. Number one is Do a Powerbomb. Do a Powerbomb! From Image Comics by Daniel Warren Johnson. And I say this because Pete was very early on the Daniel Warren Johnson beat. We definitely agreed. We loved the books that he was putting out. Pete loved him for the very first moment. But, Pete, take it away. Why was this book our number one book of the year? I Because... You think like, oh, it's about wrestling. It's not. It's about family. It's about love. It's about sacrifice. Plus, over-the-top wrestling. They wrestle, you know, spoilers, but they wrestle God. They wrestle. Spoiler, they wrestle. They wrestle God. (laughs) And it's crazy, but it's so touching. It's so moving. The art is fantastic. There's so much action. There's just... I. It, this has everything, you know, just everything you want in a story, and it delivers. You, There's a couple issues where you're like, where is this going? This doesn't look like it's going to end well. It's just so impressive what's in, uh, achieved in this arc and in this story. Ah, oh, I cannot recommend this enough. It is just so powerful and moving. 
love the heart in this. It's fucking beautiful, man. It really is. I I don't want to be the I don't want to just throw this on there, but if you guys agree with me, I just want to say I feel like this is really the year of the artist. <laughs> and, uh, and this book shows it uh, because the the pages that Danny Warren Johnson brings here, like it feels like you're on the edge of a cliff looking into these uh, splash pages that he does with these epic wrestling moves and uh, with like he's saying a story about family, a super heightened intense it does much like murder falcon it feels like someone is just literally riffing on an electric guitar in the middle of a wrestling ring and you're just sitting there listening to it the whole time and also this book made me cry multiple times while reading it the way that daniel warren johnson is able to go from action directly into the deepest wells of emotion possible sometimes literally turning on a page or turning on a dime for it is absolutely beautiful just to reemphasize what we were talking about the list we turned in our choices we we're like okay so do a power bomb is number one what's the rest of the list so yeah. this yeah. was an obvious all no three point. of us all three of us so there you go and that is it that is our top 15 books for the year now we probably each have some honorable mentions we want to shout out real quick right no i don't think so i think we covered all of it so we're probably no i think good. we have a couple probably that yes. i just want to read i actually did a pete no, no, no. I did actually want to bring up one thing first. This was a comment from Ben the Border Collie. I think I tend to be more of a Marvel guy, but DC seriously killed it this year. This is something that we discussed when we were doing the stack because yeah, we, we, we did try to, like, as much as possible, have some sort of representation so it wasn't like all DC or all Marvel or all Image and shake it up a little bit. I know we didn't have a lot of other publishers other than that, even though there were a lot of books that we did like from other publishers. But we talked a little bit about the fact that yeah, there wasn't really a lot of Marvel on here. In fact, on the end list, there's Punisher, and that's it. Uh, why do you guys think that is? Why was there less Marvel this year? Yeah, I've, I want to give a shout-out to Daredevil as well, but I just think it's not our fault that uh, DC did better work this year. You know <laughs> no what I mean? No one's blaming like, us. I'm just saying it's I kind of like, think it was our we, fault. I, we got to call us. it like we see it, and uh, they were just uh, bringing some amazing stuff. I mean, if I had to, if I had to put it to um, put drop some ideas on it, because it, it's hard. There's so many comics. It's hard to say like one one line is better than another. Um, but I think it's uh, Marvel stuff. I felt like this year was bigger, and so it was easier to get a little lost in it. Um, I think, especially like X Men, feels like there's just so much going on. It's hard to really focus in. And there's been a lot of books that we like, but it's hard to really focus in and get specific with that. And for whatever reason, it feels like. DC has been able to get a little bit, um, really take a second and fo- like Nightwing, uh, Superman, Son of Kelly, a book that we didn't talk about, Action Comics. Yeah, Action Comics for Another real. book that I feel like was able to tell huge stories while maintaining the central focus on Superman's heart, uh, both that with Kal-El and Son of Kal-El and the original Superman. Um, so it... It just feels like maybe the formula shifted a little bit Um, because I feel like in the past we've talked about how Marvel is so great at feeling like we're riding with our characters and uh, focused in on what they're going through. And DC was always caught up on these big epic events. And it feels like that maybe flipped a little bit this year. I think I'd also throw out there that I think Black Label, not just in terms of the stuff that's being put out on the line, but the way that it is challenging everybody else to up their game at DC mm. is really working in their favor. Another couple of books while we're doing honorable mentions, I know in the discussion we talked about both of the Suicide Squad Black Label books, Get yep. Joker and Blaze, that were really good. 
that stuff obviously they can't do in the main line, but I do think having the opportunity to flex yourself artistically, flex yourself story-wise, they've been doing a lot of digital comics as well, and they've been experimenting with that. They're just in more of an experimental phase, which Marvel is not necessarily in. I think there's good books coming out yeah, of She-Hulk, yeah. Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty. That's the one yep. with Steve Rogers. Loving those. It's awesome. There's a lot of really good Al books. Al Ewing Ant-Man was great. Al Ewing Ant-Man, yes. We talked about that one as well. That was awesome. A book I am always talking about, Jed McKay's work with the Black mm-hmm. Cat universe, um, I mm-hmm. feel like is really awesome. And um, I, Jed McKay is one of those creators I feel like is help will be a, a star in the next year or two. But I think the thing that you'll notice, the stuff that isn't on here from DC, and this is nothing against the Knock the Creators because a lot of like a lot of people involved, but like a Dark Crisis isn't on there or a no. Shadow War or things like that. I think those big crossovers are not popping in the same way. And to your point, Justin, that's a lot of what it feels like Marvel is putting out. Yeah. While DC, you have those big events, but the other stuff is sort of outnumbers it and certainly outperforms it at least critically. Um, and let me just throw out a couple others that I really love this year and maybe we'll talk about in the uh, next year. Um, Department of Truth continues to be oh, awesome. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, Chroma, a new book I think oh, that, come out that has been Chroma. fantastic. 20th Century Men, Dennis Camp's book that we've mm-hmm. talked about a bit, I think is so good, so dense, really great. And one um, that uh, feels – Alex, I know you like this book, Lonesome Hunters, mm-hmm. the uh, book with the older, older, like reluctant Harry Potter type guy with a sword and the young uh, counterpart that he meets up with. Fantastic first few issues. Looking forward to a long run. If you love Hellboy, that's a book for you. And those are all good books, but they're not the best comic books of the year, unfortunately. (laughs) So why don't we uh, do a brief version of this? We'll move quickly to our next section, which is my favorite section, because you all make it up as your audience questions. And for audience questions, although, again, we're going to try to run through this as quickly as possible, drop a question in Q&A over here on Crowdcast, or you can do uh, just drop a question over on YouTube. But in the meantime, what are you drinking, guys? Well, we should shout out Stray Bullies on his uh, drink, right? Yeah, absolutely. He made us a super tight bananas. Wow, what a year it's been drink. Uh, as you can see, I finished most of STB. it. It some Campari. It has some cranberry juice, a little champagne, and other things. It looks too. very good. Ooh, so it looks delicious. Very tol- delicious, yes. Um, I'm drinking an Imperial Stout from my uh, farm Did you just write it brewery. on there? Is that really what it's called? It seems like you just named it. No, my um, CSA, where I get a bunch of vegetables every couple weeks, um, also makes beer. And boy, do I like that part of it. <laughs> so it's Imperial Stout. It's a nice, hoppy, uh, rich stout. Oh, jeez. We have the audio. This album's taking a piss over here. <laughs> I can't get up for hours. What do you expect me to do? And not uh, put the mic down on it, ghosted. Yeah, yeah, jeez. Uh, speaking of piss, I'm drinking a Budweiser. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Pete, what's happened to the fridge? End of the year blues? Over well, there? I'm over at my uh, rent's house, so, uh, you know, my my dad doesn't Ooh, have a uh, exactly less cool huge fridge. palette yeah. of, yeah, yeah. i just going to throw it over here to two things follow up on our top 10 actual 15 list before we get to the questions this is over on youtube stray bean says what about eight billion genies oh yeah definitely in the mix we love that book that's a great book just did not make the top 15 and jerry jolly says what did you think of the many lives of layla star yeah i'll just throw it out there as a little bit of a tease maybe that's going to be in our best trade collections that we're revealing tomorrow on the stack because i think the the 
monthly comics came out mm-hmm. last year and the trade came out this year. That's yeah, the trade saying. came out like in January or just at the beginning of February or something. Yeah. Um, so ooh, and Patrick Werner, as we continue to get questions, listen, here's the thing. Again, my list was like 50 long. It was so hard to narrow this down to the point where I was like, I don't know. I'm just going to throw stuff in here because I got to move forward. We love almost all comics. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know that. If you listen to us, there's very little hate out here. Yeah. Uh, but Patrick Werner says, why not something is killing the children for top 15? We did uh, talk a little bit about throwing in like the something is killing the children verse including House of Slaughter and House of, uh, what's the one that came out, coming out this week? Um, It's also House of Slaughter, isn't it? It's like a one-shot special that really sets the table. House of Slaughter and House of Slaughter. There you go. Anyway, uh, yes, lots of good stuff. Again, it just didn't quite make it. Um, Okay, here we go. This is Stray Bullet says, what series are you most looking forward to for 2023? Ooh, the future. Ooh, I don't know. I'm very focused on the week ahead, man. Well, I'm very excited about the showdown that's a brewing in Punisher where we're going to get mm. like the Daredevil versus Punisher. Mm. Uh, so that'll be, I'm very excited about that. Um, oh, um, it's Book of Slaughter, not House of Slaughter. Book of Slaughter. There you go. Book of Slaughter. There we go. Um, it's it's looking looking toward the future, I'm looking forward to. Um, Fall of X is coming, it seems like, this next year. Yeah, that'll uh, be interesting. There's also Summer of Symbiotes, which sounds like, uh, you know, maybe they'll be in some swimsuits or something like that. Yeah, super fun. Um, I would also say there's a book coming out tomorrow called Timeless, which sets up mm-hmm. some Kang stuff in the Marvel Universe, which I think is going to be cool. I mean, continued uh, love for our DC books that we've been liking, I think, will be fun. Uh, I was going to throw it out to the Superman line in particular, which seems very exciting in the new year. I think that's going to be very cool. Um, So there you go. Got a couple over on YouTube. Stray Bean says, why is so much of comic book online criticism just older readers complaining about new books, sometimes before the book is even published? What's wrong with comics where that content has an audience? That's a great question. What do you guys that think? That is a great I, I question. I certainly have opinions on it. I'm, I'm not sure what uh, he's saying there. What do you, what do you, what do you mean? So, uh, actually, let me, let me give a little bit of, like, too much information frame on this. But he's basically saying, particularly on YouTube, there's a lot of people that are like, here's why Marvel sucks. This sucks. Bad, bad, bad. This is bad. And that's the whole YouTube video. And they do the same thing every single time. There's entire channels based on it. They're frankly, enormously popular and get way more traffic than we do. Um, But I I will tell you, this is the too much part, but there's a thing that that I have for YouTube. There's a plugin that does AI-generated stuff. And it's some some of it is to help out with, like, search engine optimization. So there's certain tips in terms of, like, getting ranked to Google and YouTube and all of that stuff. I know, this is very cool. Uh, But the main thing is, like, they also make recommendations for... Headlines based on your headline, body text that is usually insane and hilarious. It makes me laugh. But the big thing that I wanted to mention this for is they also have a thing where they give daily ideas of videos, things that they think are going to work for your channel. We have a comic book channel, as you're well aware. You, we talk about comic books. Yeah. We talk about movies and TV Does it shows say we should comic. talk about comic books? Well, the we thing is, shit. the large majority of the ideas are like, Wakanda Forever, why it sucks. She-Hulk is the end of the MCU. And those are like at least 25 to 35 of the 50 suggested headlines that they have. That's all clickbait. It's all clickbait, 
but it's clickbait because it baits clicks. Like that is the thing. Yeah. And I think at least part of it to answer this question very specifically, it's, it's a self-perpetuating system in terms of that stuff works so people lean into it so they keep doing it, so people keep clicking on it, and it fosters this idea of people being negative and gross about all these things. And frankly, that's... Uh, oh, Straight Bullet says, I'm pretty sure that was Alex's every episode no, of She Hawk. You were getting really double roasted in the I comments. I was really yeah. trying. I was trying. Well, no, I let think, me like, say, we try to be honest with our was great, man. But I think I think it's an outrage driven, I think, because comic books and and all of this, these characters, we everyone's passionate for them. They have a strong connection to them. That's why they're popular. They grew up with them. Yeah, it it, I feel like comic books, superheroes, everything, it cuts through to a lot of core values that we as fans have, where it's about like purity, doing the right thing. It's tied up with our right and wrong in a world where we're all it's hard to see good and evil in day to day when it's all just gray in the middle. We return to comic books for and and any comic book related superhero content to to give us those moral drives. So anything that sort of is like this sucks outrages us and we tune into it and that drives the cycle and i think we so that's that's why that works i think my point of view or maybe our point of view is you know we have our internal arguments but it's mostly built around our personal fandoms but at the end of the day we love this stuff even the stuff that we don't love as much as other people like so much time and energy to it a lifetime a lifetime for it so like I'm always like, this is what is cool about this. Or I want to highlight something that I'm excited about that not enough people are seeing or whatever. Rather than just being like, taking down something that bothers us is not fun. Uh, so maybe to people in the comments talking about She-Hulk the, um, and the Disney Plus show. And I, you know, we weren't super positive about that, I would say. But we were, tr- we were literally, tr- Pete was, we were literally trying to mm-hmm. like it <laughs> the whole yes. time, but we're, we're bothered by some things about it. So, like, that is not, to me, the same as the outrage um, that Stray Beans is talking about. That is just fans being disappointed in something, but still trying to eke out a win in there. Well, and I think also the other thing that we understand because we've talked to so many people and I do think these are people who have not talked to people maybe don't have the same perspective on it is the amount of effort that goes into literally anything that's being put out like even an indie comic that one guy made in his room and doesn't even know how to properly do a Kickstarter he still worked on it and he put some time on it and some effort into it and it's really hard it's very hard to do this stuff yes so when you get to a level where you're doing something for a marvel or dc or an image or dark horse or anything like that there's already a level of craft going on there so it's very hard to 100 percent fuck something up like that is incredibly hard to do so we might not like something but we still understand it takes time it takes effort there's multiple people involved in making this thing and that's true of anything so and just one last thing i think there's a difference between not liking a choice that something's made and something Mm. being of poor quality and for me like if someone doesn't make a choice i like i that doesn't bother me i'm just like oh interesting i would not have done that let's see where this goes if something is of poor quality that's a whole nother thing and that's like oh they were trying and it just didn't work out uh so that i think that's an important distinction Let's go to something over here on Crowdcast. What are some of your favorite examples of books that take a hard genre shift from Kevin? Mm. 
Interesting. Her genre shift. This coming off of the That Texas Blood conversation. And I think it is actually quite rare for a book to take a hard genre shift in that yeah. way. But I think that's also why we like DC versus Vampires so much is because it made step-by-step step, sort of a huge genre shift from a superhero story that involved vampires into uh, post-apocalyptic... Relationships. Well, relationships, but I meant more the post-apocalyptic uh, world that that it eventually shifted into sort of quickly. Great. <laughs> no other response? No, I don't know. I'm having a hard time. This is a really good question, but I can't. Because it's one that, explicitly yeah, because it, usually when you, you know, it kind of like sets it up like this is a genre we're going to play in. I and mean, yeah, Kevin's the- right. There are ones that take surprising turns and impressive stuff that you don't see coming. But, um, yeah, nothing. Uh, that, one that I'll throw on. out there. How about Daredevil? Because we talk about this all the time. Almost every writer who comes in on Daredevil, granted, some of them might expand on the tone of others, but they certainly shift in different ways. Mark Wade's run, obviously, a huge shift than from everything that came before. Um, so, I don't know. I'll throw that out there. Just to try I'll throw out. Um, I mean, this was an intentional, but another book that I think we enjoyed but didn't make our list was Love Everlasting, the Tom King um, mm, okay. uh, mm-hmm. romance take. Mm-hmm. And that was very much like, Tom King's doing romance comics. And, and after the first, second issue, it was like, oh, no, there's so, there's more going on here. There's um, some sort of multiversal time travel thing happening here. And that's a genre shift, a book that sort of said it was one genre and then pulled the rug, I thought was really cool. I don't know if this really answers it, but I know, like, I remember that Flintstones comic that was a little couple years back was so different than I thought it was going to be. Mark Russell. It took, like, so many uh, uh, big chances and, and paid off so well. It was really impressive. Yeah, uh, we got a bunch more that are piling up here on YouTube. Uh, just to mention, John Dorsey brings up Zdarsky and Jimenez uh, on the flagship Batman. That has been mm-hmm. phenomenal. That was definitely yeah. on my list as well. Oh, Sherry yeah. Beans mentions Gaiman's Miracle Man is finishing up in 2023. Fingers crossed. Uh, yep. And then we've got from Frederica Rosa, what's your expectation about Marvel DC movie content for 2023? I think Marvel had a low year in 2022, but Agreed. DC's calendar for 2023 feels weird. Yes. <laughs> um, I think Marvel did have a weird year. I think they're going to start to get it together a little bit in the next year since this year was like, let's show all this stuff that doesn't really connect. And I think it has to start connecting next year. I think DC, um, if you've been watching the news about that, it makes sense. It's a little bit chaotic. They had a huge creative shift at the top. We're going to get some movies that were done under a previous regime, and then some big changes are going to happen. So I think it is going to be another disjointed year for DC. Well, it's then... it almost seems like those uh, choices aren't going to come into effect until like a year it later. Does almost yeah. seem, it does yeah. almost seem that way. But, uh, yeah, but there are big changes. I mean, Marvel cranked through a ton of content in their movies and now is kind of like, uh, what do we do? Uh, where do we go? You know, I so, love when my favorite creators are just cranking through content. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm interested to see on what Marvel does next and where they kind of find their worlds to explore. Um, you know, Miss Marvel not only was an unbelievable comic book, but I was impressed with their uh tv show and then it took a weird twist with that last shot in the closet switch but uh they can really start tying some things in there you know 
Yeah. Uh, this is from Crowdcast over here. Randolph Washington Jr. says, Pete or the other guys, I guess, who are some artists you're really excited to see new work from? Wow. Well, uh, I mean, I'm always very excited when you got the the botch man, uh, Bachelo on on art. Like he's one of the botch uh, man. Oh yeah, the fucking botch man, dude. He I don't does, know if he's I, gonna love that nickname. It's uh, well, sounds like he's making know, mistakes. Uh, you know, but um, uh, yeah, I've been really. Anytime he's on something, I show up. Uh, just because his art is so unique and different. Uh, also, R squared, Riley Rosmo, uh, is just um, super type bananas. So creative, like cartoonish, but uh, there's also so much heart in his art. It just uh, it makes me want to read it. Is it the year of the artist or the year of the artist nickname? Well, I mean, if I'm going to be there, there's going to be some nicknames. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's true. Pete famously grew up surrounded by nicknamed friends. All, right. No one that knew each other's names. It was all just um, Dan Dan the Sex Man or whatever. That you <laughs> one that the... I'll give a shout out to that I'm going to mention also on the Stack Podcast that we mentioned here, but Zoe Thorogood, I don't know what she is yep. up to, but her stuff on Rain is phenomenal. She also put out an amazing graphic novel that, again, we will talk about on tomorrow's Stack Podcast. I'm so excited to see what she does next. A shout out to Nick Dragota. Looking forward to more from him. Uh, Pete's guy, Dan Mora. Let's let's see some more of that stuff. Ooh, yeah, more oh, yeah. Uh, more uh, please. This is uh, from. Oh, we got a bunch of things here. Uh, any movie TV show highlights from this year? Favorite TV show or movies? Ooh. Well, I actually, have a list. Hold on. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I I I thought the, the Disney stuff was great. Um, you like know, Cinderella I, and stuff. No, you uh, asshole. Yeah. I'm talking about gotta, Moon gotta Knight. Give it I'm talking about fucking uh, She-Hulk. You know, uh, I, I, there is I... A, for me, there's only one show in 2022. And it Ben the Border Collie nailed it in the comments with One Way Out. Andor took the trophy mm. this year. A show that I loved, cried about, like was just so, so intensely involved in. I'll very quickly read through. This is probably, this is another one of those lists that I was like, I just got to put this together at a certain point. But my top TV of the year, uh, Heartstopper, Better Curl, Saul, The Patient, The After Party, Interview with the Vampire, The Rehearsal, A League of Their Own, House of the Dragon, Andor, and Stranger Things. And for movies, The Stranger Batman, Things I agree with. Uh, movie, oh, great. Uh, for movies, I did this like a month ago, so it doesn't include some recent stuff, but The Batman, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Nope, Weird, The Al Yankovic Story, After yes. Yang, X, Top Gun Maverick, Turning Red, The Bob's Burgers Movie, and Fresh. So there wow, you go. Also, nice. this might be the last time I get to say it, but Wakanda forever. Oh, yeah, there you go. Why is it the last time you can say it? Well, uh, you know. Years ending, can't say stuff anymore. Uh, this is from <laughs> Nelson Martinez over on YouTube. Are there any January shows you guys are looking forward to that have been announced so far? Also, thanks for all the content. Happy New Year's, fellas. Oh, oh, so nice. Thank you. Thanks Happy for New listening. and Give us a shout uh, out. And he says, maybe like The Last of Us. Uh, Nelson, I've seen The Last of Us, so I can't say anything about it yet. So oh. Wow. You can't say anything? What a weird Reviews are embargoed until January 10th. Um, I'm excited for The Last of Us. I do think that's going to be good. And I'm in the mood for some zombie stuff, I will mm. say. Mm. Um, I've been trying to catch up on some movies. I watched The Fablemans, uh, which I thought was... Fablemans? Sort of a weird beginning, but um, uh, thought it really put it together by the end. 
Did they? Uh, uh, this is. I mean, this is getting into spoilers. We're going to get into Week like, and Geek, where we're going to talk no, no, about. No, I'm this just stuff. curious. Like, did they get their fable powers by the end of the movie? Because that was one of my favorite parts of the comic book. Um, yes, by the end of it, um, a young Steven Spielberg can make just movies happen by touching fingers. <laughs> yeah, great. There you go. Looking forward to Shadow and Bone season two is coming out. I love that show, and I'm very excited about that. I'm more I'm Willow. Enjoy- Willow. I'm I was just going to say, I'm enjoying Willow. Can't wait for yeah. more. Heartstopper season two. Very excited, nervous about that because things get real dark in the graphic novel. If you can't wait it. for Ted Lasso. Hopefully, we'll see. We'll see, man. Severance that. season two. What about uh, that? Well, that's going to come like December 29th of that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um, all right. Let's see. We got another one here from Crowdcastles from Jay Sinison. Was this book for book the best year of Superman comics in a long time? Yes. 100%. 100%. Yes. Easy question. Thanks. Great question. And, and yeah. I, I, Action people, comics, Superman, Son of Superman. Like, it was all killing it. People talk about how Superman's hard to write, and I think this past year proved it's not hard, per se. It's just you have to make some big choices. And I think... Uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson um, really did that like made some big choices and told a great Superman story that wasn't just about Superman it was a great ensemble Um, and then of course we've already talked about Son of Kal-El and how just focused in on a real character and all the emotional choices that they are making over the course of it and crushed it as well yeah, Washington Jr. and Supergirl you're right just so many uh, and that's a whole other that's like a fairy tale Yeah. yeah it was just Oh, uh, just real quick. Kevin mentions I'm excited about the Doctor Who specials, given the just announced comics connection. Uh, yes, excited for those. Those are coming out in November. Um, oh, there's something Who? else. Oh, also, last season of Riverdale's coming out. That's going to be a big oh. I feel like. So there you go. Yeah, do you think you guys are going to watch it? Mm, I don't know. I'm busy. Still deciding. It takes place in the 50s, right? Yeah. Yes, it sure does. Uh, we got one last one here. I'm glad that we said this would be nice and short, so I'll end with a nice, easy question. Dude, this is show's like three hours long, bro. I know. From David Quintley, most of my comic book knowledge is from the 20th century. What do you think of the big changes in comic books the last 15 or 20 years? And what age are we in? Silver Age, Bronze Age, uh, Gone Bronze Age, I'm hearing? We're in the artist age. Where we don't need writers, we just need amazing we don't artists. Need yeah, I I just think it's funny. This is nothing against David's question, which is a totally really good question. But they were like, we're going to do some real quick questions. He's like, real quick, summarize the past fifteen or twenty years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, twenty two years, I guess technically. I mean, I I will say it's shifted to a comic book books are a much wider focus because yeah. they they sort of drive our uh, content as a culture now. So I think that's changed the stakes for comics in the last 20 years um, in a way that um, is sometimes good and sometimes bad. I think specifically this year, it's what we talked about with Marvel and DC. It's affected it. Marvel's telling blockbuster big stories in all their books, and sometimes that loses uh, focus on the characters that we love. Um, so I do think uh, going for I guess the last 20 years in general – it's been that buildup to this point at we're at now, and uh, I, I'm hoping it can settle a little bit into. Well, I would I would throw out there that I feel like comics has also gone in the opposite direction at the same time, certainly to a smaller audience. But I do think this idea of comics as IP that is powering most of our popular culture has pushed people who are actually passionate about comics to go in the other direction and say, "No, I'm going to double down on this as an art form. I'm going to figure out the best way that I can get the story." 
stories that I'm passionate about that I can only tell in comics that are not about selling a movie or a TV show, but telling the best story I possibly can. If that comes, great, great. But that's what I'm aiming for. So I do feel like we have both things going on at the same time. Yeah. Also, what's been nice is uh, different voices in the room, different Mm -hmm. ideas. Um, You know, we have a wider net now. And, uh, you know, there isn't this thing that comics have got to be. People have really been pushing the panels around and trying different things and doing different stuff. So it's been really amazing. Yeah, just to back that up, I think... It doesn't feel like lip service anymore. It's not yeah, like, yeah, we real. have a woman writer. <laughs> you know, like there's still obviously a ton of work that needs to be done, but there are writers who are like, no, fuck this shit. We are actually going to push this forward. We're going to push through the correct agenda and push things in a positive direction. We talked about that with Superman, Son of Kal-El. I think the X-Men line has been phenomenal for that as well, where the writers have been like, can we stop playing around with this metaphor stuff with the X-Men and just, like, do it just already? Just do it, yeah, and exactly. It's we get it. To see. Yeah, we so, get it. Yeah. It's a metaphor. All right, and it is time for our next section. Oh, Jesus. Is... I thought this was getting cut. I mean, we, we got to end this we show. We cut it. Let's cut, cut it. It's cut. No tr- Oh, we got a hand up from Stray Bullet, though. Oh, my God. Stray Bullies wants. Do you have... Wait, do you have questions, Pete? Oh, yeah. Pete, do you All have right. questions? Come on, man. Ooh. Come on. Okay. Man. Uh, wait, I don't know if I can bring him in. Oh, here we go. Why not? Yeah, why wouldn't know. you do that? Why do you hate I know. straight You did have so a hard much? time bringing me in for quite some time. <laughs> yeah. so maybe yeah. There's some the technical same issues. Thing. Yeah, it's I technical. can't really. I can't. Yeah, sure, I totally understand. <laughs> I had some technical issues. As well. uh, but yes, we are bringing straight bullet in for trivia. And he should Pills be mafia. in a second. Ooh, you moved on Pills to a Pills. Mafia. Pills Mafia. Pills Mafia. Um, uh, Bill, uh, Go Bills style. Yeah, yeah, they gotta shovel off their own cars, man. It's crazy up in Buffalo, bro. Buffalo's crazy. I wasn't. That's I wasn't upstate in the bu- Buffalo. Got it even harder than. Oh yeah, I'm man. hearing that Buffalo has a real chance to make it to the Super Bowl. Why? Well, look at you. Yeah, <laughs> that's not last couple that's of years. Not, that's, not, <laughs> that's what my neighbor. That's not. A, whoa, we got your ear to the fucking rail over there. Mm, you really yeah, listening yeah. to the sports yeah. takes? Yes. Cool, man. Uh, my, my neighbor made Buffalo the. Way Should the you kick them out and reinvite them? Is that going to help or what's up? I don't know, man. <laughs> wow, Pete, dropping some technical <laughs> knowledge technical over here. Knowledge over here. Oh, oh, hey, oh, sounds like Stray Bullet. I think he's Stray Bullet is here. Stray Bullet got to put on some headphones. 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 We can hear you. Put on some headphones if you can hear us. Headphones. Headphones. I can hear you just fine. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We need headphones. There's a crazy There's a echo. echo. We, we need some headphones, bro. Oh, yeah. I don't have any. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Uh, let me turn it down. Let's see if that's okay. Oh, maybe that'll work. No, it doesn't work. We've tried this <laughs> 10 times. <laughs> is still a huge echo? All right. Well, take it away, Pete. All right, man. Uh, this is going to be hard to talk, but all right. Today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small nod to the legend, Helen Slayton Hughes, R.I.P. Athel from Parks and Rec. All right. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. Question number one. Jason Darren's Avengers run concludes in April with a one-shot called blank. Is it A, last shot, B, Omega, or C, Alex Bornstein? Yeah, you are correct. Hey. <laughs> it is B Omega. Nice job. All right. 
What DC character gets lost in space for 20 years in a new series out in March? Is it A, Superman, B, Super Leech, or C, Don Creech? A. Yes, you are correct. Superman is going to get lost in space for 20 years. Are you ready for it? All right, here we go. By the way, does sound one. better? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. All right, here we go. Last one. Planet of the Apes is coming to blank in April. Is it A, Marvel, B, Places with Less Showers, or C, Glenn Moore Shower? A is correct. Yes, Marvel. Well done, sir. Cool. Uh, congratulations, Brad Brett. I will say while you're on, despite the echo, thank you so much for everything that you have what done in the past year. Yeah, I... Sorry about the echo. I really wanted to say thank you guys for an awesome year. It's been great. Let me curate these fun things. Oh, man. You're killing it, dude. It's actually great. When you talk, it doesn't echo, so keep talking. (laughs) Uh, For for real, though, thank you so much. For any of you who don't know, not only does Stray put up the recipes every week in the Patreon Slack, but he usually puts up a tutorial as well. He's been helping me out, working on some cocktail tutorial videos as well, which is super sweet, and I've been having a blast editing them together. They're so much fun, and thank you for everything that you do, and thank you for the delicious yeah, cocktails. Yeah, I love doing it. And, uh, again, thank you. You guys keep me excited about reading comics, and it's great to have people around you that care about this stuff, at least... A place you can go to to, you know, ah. read comics because most people in my daily life don't care, except maybe this one. Yeah, yeah Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Where Brooklyn at? So uh, uh, you know, thank you. It's fun to see how many cocktails I can make with Campari. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Love that Campari. This year, two of you at least have to come and eat dinner. Mm, yes. Eat something I cooked. Yo, Stray, I'll be down again late January, so it'll be me again. I'm coming. I'm coming, bro. Annual. Annual. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Brett, thank you so much. You have won a $25 gift card to either Long John Silver's or Midtown Comics, your choice. Shoot us an email at comicbookclublive at gmail.com. Can I give you the charity again? Oh, yeah. What charity do you want to do? Wait, unless Long John Silver, do they need the money? Uh, It seems that way. It's a fish (laughs) No, but you tell people what charity you were donating to. Say that again. Tell people what charity you were donating to. Oh, uh, the I can't hear you because it's so low, and this kid is talking in my ear. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nola refrigerators. So they they yes. put up refrigerators around the city, and they fill it with groceries for people who in neighborhoods that are underprivileged and underfunded, and people can just come and take food from those things and cook themselves a meal. Awesome. Yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's, that's great. great. That's we'll great. definitely donate 25 bucks to that. Happy New Year, Brett. Yeah. Happy New Year to you, fellas. Thank you very much. Thanks, Brett. We'll see you soon. All right. Bye. Respect. All right. There we go. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Very cool. I mean, personally, I think we should go to New Orleans and do a live show. Ooh, that's a good idea. I like that. We could do it in the swamp on one of those fan boat things. <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly swamp down there. All right, sounds good. Now, as we all know, new comic books are coming out all the time. I, I just wanted to point out oh, yeah, uh, well, Kevin sorry. was right. Uh, the 2005 uh, JC Pet Project. Good night and good luck. Mm. Mm. So, I will mention, as I mentioned several through the times through the podcast, on our Stack podcast this week, we're going to be talking about some of the best original graphic novels and trade collections of the year. But 
new comics are still coming out this week despite all that so what are you looking forward to that's going to be in stores that's new pete action comics uh number uh, 1050 and tim drake robin number four Ooh, what about you nice. justin uh, we get a uh, big issue of The Nice House on the Lake coming out tomorrow. Number 12, a, a book by um, Jamestown and the Fourth. JT4. JT4 that um, has been like a fun, uh, real slow boiler of a series, sort of a sci-fi uh, ensemble, um, almost Knives Out-esque. Yeah, that's in the news. So definitely um, uh, looking forward to that. And let me shout out DC vs. Vampires number 12, a book. I really enjoyed. All right, there we go. I am really looking forward to Slash. It's already on stand, so you can go pick it up right now. The Sandman Universe, Dead Boy Detectives, number one. Yes, dude. I love Nightmare Country. That really uh, revitalized me for the whole Sandman Universe line. So I was very excited to check this one out, and I don't think it disappointed. We're As mentioned, we're going to be talking about all of these and many more books in our Stack podcast that rolls out Wednesday, 9 a.m., both in the Comic Book Club feed and its own dedicated Stack feed. And folks, that is it for this week's show. Yeah. First of all, thank you to Kyle Starks. Don't forget to check out Dark Horse Comics, Where Monsters Lie. Again, the final utter cutoff is January 9th. It hits Pre-order. on February 1st. <laughs> and a couple of other things. Next week's guests, Turner Anderson, Mike Veriglio, are going to be here to talk about social studies. Also, Lucy Lewis Southard is going to be here to talk about Zest World's Villains Seeking Hero. The Doom Room, our Doom Patrol podcast, rolling out every week. We'll see, I guess we'll see what happens this week. Jump right, guys. in the room. We will see. Yes, Marvel vision our marvel podcast we have been working our way through the old movies with some special guests very fun still have a couple of episodes of that to go you should check out patreon.com slash comic book club to support this show and all the shows we do don't forget to subscribe and follow on apple android spotify stitcher or the app of your choice at comic book live on twitter comic book club live on instagram comic book club live on tiktok comic book club live.com for this podcast and many more until next year Good night. What a year. Good night. Take care of yourself out Happy there. Happy New Year. They sit on crafted couches and they let the secrets leak. And occasionally they 